The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. If I were a bus conductor and I owned a bus garage, if that was me, you could all ride free. I'm in charge. If I were a tall policeman with feet so very large, you could park where you like, I'd even move my bike. I'm in charge. What people need is leadership, and leadership I'd give. This is Bruce's motto. Give a little more, take a little more. If you were in the army, and if I were your sarge, I'd be very pally, even at Rivali. Have a lie in, boys. Bit cold this morning. Tell what I'll do. I'll bring you a cup of tea about half past eleven. I'm in charge! If I were a politician, no more bread and march. Give the people prizes, more, more rises. I'm in charge. If I were your bookmaker and your bed was heavy as a barge, I'd be so very nice you could make your own price. I'm in charge. What people need is leadership and leadership I'd give. This is Bruce's motto. Give a little more, take a little more. If I had the Bank of England and your overdraft was large, even a crackpot could win my jackpot. You've got 40 days to take as much money as you like, starting from now. Mr. Bruce Forsyth, here we go, here we go. He's doing it. Two, keep going, you're doing... You've done it! Yes, man. I've just spent the last four minutes with my guest, who's an American. I think that would be fair to say. It would be quite fair it, to it say. It would be fair to say that Ken Womack is an American, explaining Brexit and Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that song, Bruce Forsyth, <laughs> I'm in charge, produced by George Martin, which is what Ken is here for. But you, um, you, you, I'm trying to think who your Bruce Forsyth would be. An age-old entertainer that's been around forever and still draws a crowd. Who would that be in America? I'm not sure, but he's, he's kind of of that vintage where he's a personality, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and a proper old-fashioned song and dance kind of guy. Hey, Catherine, you know, is everything all right? What? Okay, you... Why are you whispering? You know that we can still hear you. Ken thinks he's come on a really slick British radio show. And... Okay, fine. <laughs> he's not noticed anything. He's not noticed anything. Let's get the names of the books out. You've written two volumes on Sir to you, George Martin. Um, Sound Pictures is the first volume. I'm just looking. No, that's the second <laughs> volume. 66 to 2016. And Maximum Volume 26 to 66. Why George Martin? Well, quite simply, I wanted to study the person um, for whom the Beatles imagined all these wonderful songs, and he was their primary audience, yeah. the guy who got to hear them first, second, perhaps third at worst. He was the fellow to whom they would present these amazing songs. Yeah. You know, what was that like? 
Uh, and that was the mission of the books, was to try to understand that. And, um... And the Beatles obviously play a huge part, and we're not just going to talk about the Beatles because it's 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 very easy to over to ignore what happened before the Beatles and after the Beatles. There was there was an amazing amount of stuff he was doing either side of the Beatles. <laughs> well, to paraphrase a Beatles movie, they loom large in his legend. <laughs> they do a little bit, um, but he is he is the I would say the one person that can legitimately be called the fifth Beatle. I think so, and um, you know to be. Very truthful, and it's late-night radio, so I can do that, right? Mm. Okay, oh, so here it comes. Honesty is what we I want. mean, there were times when he was the second or third Beatle. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, given his enthusiasm and passion for whatever project they were working on, and simultaneously, perhaps, the distance that some of the other band members mm. were putting between them and, and certain projects. So he, he was integral to just about everything they did. He is... Um, I never met him. I've met um, his son... Uh, Giles Martin, isn't it? Yes. Correct. Yeah, I've met the Giles, youngest. Who's, who's, who's is delightful and charming. And how weird that he... We're well, not weird, but that he is carrying on his dad's Beatles connection um, it, with the same... Almost the same kind of skills that his dad had. He must... It was was Giles with him as a young... As a boy, watching him do Beatles stuff? And, well, Giles was born in October 1969. Right. And by then, the Beatles had decided privately to divorce yeah so uh giles misses the entire phenomenology of the band but having said that he was there with his father through the entirety of this kind of beatles return that occurred slowly i mean yeah. they were always popular yeah. there's no doubt about that but but this kind of uh, reformatting that's sort of endless right yeah the 1987 cds <laughs> the 2009 yeah. remasters and now these remixes um, bringing to life the mm. joke that Tommy Lee Jones makes in Men in Black that he's just going to keep buying the White Album for the rest <laughs> of his life. Well, we're going to buy. I've, I've got a, an order in for the box set of the White Album in November. That's right. You're buying it now. Yep. So it's it's all very true. I don't think Giles intended to do this, right. but uh, it was a quite a natural production offshoot for him. Mm. And uh, an opportunity to carry on a great le- legacy, which he has done, I think, to a T. Oh, incredibly so. How easy was it to find out about George Martin stuff that wasn't Beatles related? Quite difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, so many of the witnesses, and this is my fault for starting the project so late, uh, had passed on. Yeah, yeah. Um, George himself, when I began working on this, was deaf. Uh, and uh, not feeling so well. I mean, he had some several long, long-running illnesses. So, uh, putting it together was quite difficult. You know, the Beatles material is out there. I did manage to find a few, few new nuggets here and there mm. to pepper throughout that story. Pepper. Well done. Well <laughs> Pun done. intended. Excellent stuff. Um, thank you very much. Um, but uh, beyond that... I was desperately trying to think of another Beatles pun I could throw in there, and I, and I failed miserably. Well, we will come together on those later. Oh, and, uh, oh, man. Oh. I wish I had my revolver with me. That's, oh. a, bit, that's a bit mean. That's yeah, a says, I'm going to shoot you. Yeah, I'm don't gonna... get violent. No, this is not it. that kind of show. No, no, no. This is the opposite <laughs> of those kinds of shows. Exactly. Well yeah. done. You've done your homework. Thank you. Um, so did you get to speak to him? I did all? not. No. Um, I immediately wrote to him once I had the uh, the contract, and uh, his, his wonderful... Um, Agent Adam wrote me back and said, George is delighted, you know, that folks are working on projects like this, but he won't be available. Okay. And, of course, I knew he wouldn't yeah. uh, again, but it was it was nice to reach out to him. Okay. Well, you got kind of a blessing from him. Sure, then. although it's, you know, it's <coughs> not an authorized biography. No. And that's such a 
tainted, tangled oh, phrase, no, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know, it used to mean something in like the 60s and 70s. Yeah. It's the authorized biography. Now it means all the dr- the drugs and sex have been cut out. Right, right. Nobody wants that. No, book. no. We want. I want the unauthorized Albert Goldman v- book to uh, to <laughs> spill the dirt. Um, one of my favourite George Martin clips ever is a wonder. He did a wonderful series. I guess in the late 90s for the BBC about music and he interviewed people like Billy Joel and mm. there's a great bit where he I'm a huge Beach Boys fan and he sat with Brian Wilson um, at the, the the mixing desk and they're listening to the master tapes of God Only Knows <laughs> and George goes well I've always I've always wished I could have produced this and he starts playing around with it and just you know adding some of this and taking some of that and Brian Wilson sits there and goes oh my god that's that's better than what I did. And it's just such a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful moment. And the thing about George Martin is he's a proper old-fashioned gentleman, isn't he? And the truth is he's very gentle, very polite, very, very well-mannered. And is that what you, you got from the people that you spoke to? That is, I think that's largely true. Of course, you know, uh, George's life was a, the story of social climbing yeah. in a lot, a lot of ways. You know, he was born... Very humble origins, the most humble of all the of the Beatles, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, it was only later when he self-consciously, as so many other veterans did, changed his accent to tailor himself yeah. to a, a new life, which he developed stupendously. Uh, but I think he really was that. Um, I would often ask my interview subjects, you know, was there a time when George let you see behind the veneer? And really only two or three times did anybody say, yeah, he kind of lost it. Um, oh, wow. Really? Sure. And and he re- but he rarely did. Yeah, um, yeah. And it had less to do with the fact that he didn't have a bad temper. I think he had the same temper we all do. Yeah. Uh, but rather that he was a great politician, mm. which is how he would negotiate the um, the ebb and tide of the Beatles waves of furor over those those very tendentious but mm. wonderful years. And it was that great that great political sense that he had that made him so effective inside mm. that political calculus. How did it well, We lost, uh, of course, Jeff Emmerich last week or the week before, you know, 72, I think he was, Jeff I think he was 74. 74. No, you're absolutely right. He was 72. Okay. He would have been 73 in December. Um, was, in fact, he was coming to our university no. uh, next month, and he'd been very excited. This is in Jersey. Right. He was, uh, I'm dean at uh, the Monmouth University yep. in the Wayne D. McMurray School of Humanities and Social Sciences, and Jeff was coming to sort of close out a symposium. Wow. We're doing on the White Album, yeah, and uh, he was very excited uh, to come in and be a part of, you know, college life and and, and yeah. be a part of something that was intellectual and it was, it was... smoke a few reefers again, pretend it's the sixties, you know. <laughs> he, he was very excited, and it I was, a, it, was. It, it was a shame. He was it was something special. I think we were. Creeping what was toward. the relationship between Jeff Emmerich and George Martin? Well, it was essential. Um, George was always the right guy for the Beatles. Uh, and like Brian Epstein and like the Beatles themselves, they all came at the industry in a kind of sideways manner. Yeah. You know, Brian Epstein wasn't really a manager. He, yeah. was, he failed at everything he'd ever done. And he decides he's going to be a manager. So he's coming at the industry. The Beatles, well, they're from Liverpool. That's yeah. not going to work. Yeah. Uh, and George Martin is faking it as a producer. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all hurtling toward this industry, and they disrupt it. And Jeff really fit that mold, too. Right. Um, he gets his job. I guess his dad wanted him out of the house. He wrote a letter to EMI and said, my son could be an engineer. <laughs> and Jeff was 15 or something. And they wow. said, well, I guess he could. We'll pay him no money. And um, incredible? Yeah. And so Jeff got into the business in a sort of sideways fashion too he was from crouch end 
Oh, I, I lived in Crouch End. Well, there for a you long go. Time. So yeah, you know you kind well. of know the Emmerich, uh, yeah. you know, uh, firmament. Yeah. I suppose. In any event, um, they were they were great together. George had gotten to the point where uh, he needed uh, an engineer with a little bit more vision because George was no techie. You know, he didn't know how to. He could work right. the faders, but he was more of a classical guy. Okay. You know, he he would say, "I'm very 12 inch." You know, he was more 78 yeah. than 45 RPM, and yeah. so Jeff. Being a younger guy and a guy who knew how his way around a soldering iron, I guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, was was perfect for him, and and that's when it timed out perfectly. It was a revolver and Sergeant Pepper. And would 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 Jeff been one of? I love the fact that when the Beatles started recording at EMI, the the engineers still wore the white lab coats, and it was still a very scientific. You know, it was a pro- it was a process that you had to go quite through. Quite formal. Yeah, you had an apprenticeship. You would be, um, you know, you'd come in as a lacquer cutter and then a tape operator. Yeah. And, you know, maybe then you'd be second engineer and then finally first engineer and then a full-fledged producer. There was this whole kind of apprenticeship. There's a famous story in 1940. Winston Churchill went to Abbey Road, which, of course, was then EMI Studios. And they were making propaganda recordings for the war. Of course. And uh, there's there's old Winnie. And uh, he, he sees all these white coated, you know, fellows, and he's like, wow, I'm, have I died? Am I in the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he thought it was ridiculous. It, well, it, it is to have such a scientific, you know, now we consider music an art form. Of course it wasn't an art form. And you're, you're right, George Martin was integral to the Beatles. The, 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 the few times he took his hands off of the reins of the Beatles, it suffered. I'm thinking of, of uh, the whole Let It Be album, which I like. But it you it doesn't sound right. It's muddy and it doesn't you know it, you fill Spectre's hands over it, and also things like the string arrangements on "She's Leaving Home," which was Mike Leander, I think, <laughs> which is this big, huge kind of, I think, over the top, slightly um, uh, offensive kind of or, you do orchestral background backing. Whereas was with George with the Beatles was was kind of small and tiny. These wonderful scorings that he did. He he made you know his his ability to interpret ridiculous ideas like john lennon saying i want 10,000 chanting monks or whatever <laughs> it was his ability to translate that is genius is as much a genius as lennon and mccartney's songwriting skills i think anyway oh absolutely and and you know george would disappear as a producer into the recording mm. so in other words it wouldn't have any kind of trademark feel like like you said phil specter with his wall of sound or or contemporarily uh Je- jeff lynn right oh. every jeff lynn oh. recording and some of them are wonderful some of them are not yeah. but they all have a certain sheen to them they there's s- a certain they sound like jeff lynn they do they sound like jeff lynn and you know that's a shame when you're listening to tom petty you really want to hear tom petty yeah when you but- hear free as a bird i want to hear i don't want to hear an elo song this is what i'm hearing right and it's not even good mid or early elo it's it's late period (laughs) shine a little love don't bring me down yeah yeah (laughs) that's bringing you down uh elo and you know george would disappear into a recording and that that was his magic was his superpowers being able to understand what they wanted and then to sort of disappear into that the worst things the beatles ever did it, mainly in their solo career, was was pair up with uh, Phil Spector and Jeff Lynne. I just you just want to hear those George those John albums without 
the 25 drummers and 16 <laughs> saxophones. We'll take a quick break. I've got Ken Womack here who's written two, uh, a two-volume biography of George Martin. I'm going to tweet the links in a little bit, guys, uh, all the usual places. We'll give out his website as well. If you've got any questions, we, we, don't, we, we won't be talking solely about the Beatles. I know that <laughs> some people, get this, Ken, some people don't like the Beatles. I'm, no, there's no such thing. It's like it's like disliking children or Christmas you or something. You can't do it, but there are some people who listen to this show who hate the Beatles. Right now, they're listening. That was switched off. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is Talk Radio. Unmissable late night radio with the original king of unconventional conversation. Make contact with Ian Lee. The late night alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. Two volumes about George Martin. Some of you will be going, oh my god, and some of you will be salivating hard at the prospect. Maximum volume and sound pictures by Ken Womack. We're going to tweet the links. Last Beatles thing, and then we're going to talk about other stuff. Ken, we, we just, I was just saying that the, uh, up until Revolver, that in America, listening to the Beatles was a different experience than it was for people in the UK because you had different albums. Because um, it, was, it was capital, wasn't it? Thought, hey, instead of putting 12, 14 songs on an album, if we put 10 or 11, then we can save some of these other songs and <laughs> put them out as EP. So, so they were different albums. And I've got this is my theory that no one else has, has ever picked up on. When Brian Wilson talks about how his inspiration for Pet Sounds was Rubber Soul, he was listening to a different Rubber Soul. He wasn't listening to the Rubber Soul that I would know. He was listening to the American Rubber Soul, which is kind of a folk album. It's an acoustic album. And you could see how that would shape Pet Sounds and be a driving force for him. Because the American version is more of a kind of concept in sound, I think. No, absolutely. And uh, I, frankly, I was one of the people who... Was duped by this, right? You know, when I would go to the record stores in the late seventies, and I would look into the bins. These are the records I bought. Yeah. So for many years, uh, as a young guy, I thought, well, that's what Rubber Soul was. That's what Revolver was. And and you're absolutely right. The the album that um you know that that the Beach Boys and and Brian in particular was consuming was very different, yeah. and it had a a completely different tonality and. Damn capital, <laughs> by the way, we can say that uh, they're no longer uh, an EMI subsidiary, um, you know, for for manipulating their sound in that way. Yeah. It was only with Sgt. Pepper that they had the, the sort of cultural or, I suppose, financial power to say, put these albums out the right way. And it seems incredible now that um, the record label would have that much influence. They're not just for one or two. For the first five, six albums, however many it is, they're, they're going to go, no, we, we, OK, you've got, you want to make an artistic statement, but, but we're the money men. We're going to take bits and pieces. Let's move away from the Beatles, because I can, I can otherwise we're here until one o'clock. But the hard salivators will, no? <laughs> they'll, they'll still be salivating okay, hard. OK, good, they, good. They, they, It turns out they salivate hard, whatever. Um, <laughs> give us George Martin's background, because you, 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 you're right. He, was, he kind of changed himself to fit in. And, and the, the later George Martin was a very tall, very slim, him, very elegant. Well, he's very, always tall. Very, he's always tall. <laughs> but very, we would consider him to be a very posh English gentleman. But that wasn't how he started, was he? No, no. He was born in North London uh, in uh, very impoverished surroundings. Mm. He and his uh, sister fought over a single gas jet around the fireplace. Wow. They had no electricity, no running water. They 
born into the Depression. His father was a master carpenter, which wasn't a great time to be a master carpenter, of course, because nobody was doing any fine woodwork yeah. to speak of. Uh, his mother would hustle uh, as a, doing knitting on the side. And later they took in orphans, many, many orphans. Wow. And, and by the time George gets to the war years, he just wants out of that household. Yeah. Uh, there were so many orphans living there. They were getting stipends from the government. Uh, George could not wait to get to war, but he got to a good war because by then, it's 1944, it was yeah. essentially over. Yeah. Um, and during the war, um, he was a man of uh, natural leadership ability, and he was sent to officer's training. And while there, he would listen to the, the posh, cut-glass voices of the well-bred officers in training. And they would have these marvelous meals not far from here in Greenwich. Mm. Um, and they would uh, George would notice that they knew how to use the right hand for the knife and fork. And they put their napkin in their lap, and they sounded great. And he thought, that's what I'm going to be. Isn't that interesting? That he, he, but he was hardly the only one. No, of, oh, of course, of course. But, but, okay, well, then how did he make the transition from that into working in music? What was, what was, was his... a single guy. Now, George was always a pretty good scratch pianist. Um, but he caught the attention of a fellow named uh, Sidney Harrison, and mm. George called him his fairy godfather. And Sidney is probably why we have the great sound of the Beatles. I know we weren't going to talk about them but uh, anymore, but but there it is. It's impossible not to keep nodding. It is, yes. I think the hard salivators will be excited yeah. about Sidney Harrison. Yeah. So Sidney is uh, very influential. Mm. He's a professor at the Guildhall School. And uh, he carries on this correspondence during the war with George. He helps him work out how to do notation and those sorts of things because George is not good at it. And it As in musical notation. That's right. He and taught himself then, did he, with the help of this? With the help of Sidney Harrison. After the war, uh, George has no plans. And Sidney says, well, you should go to the Guildhall School. And George rightly says, I'll never get in. No. Are you kidding? I'll have to have an audition. And Sidney says, no, you won't. And sure enough, George goes to the Guildhall School, and Sidney strikes one more time with his, I guess, his fairy godfatherish wand. Yeah. Um, in 1950, when George finishes his coursework, uh, again, no prospects. Sidney says, "It's a job for you if you want to go uh, interview with a guy named Oscar Preuss." And mm. Preuss was head of the third label at EMI, Parlophone. Parlophone. And he needed an assistant. Um, the job was killing him. Parlophone was in desperate, dire straits. Yeah. So George put on his fleet air arm greatcoat and rode across London and walked right into Judy Lockhart Smith, who would figure very largely yeah. in his story later. And Oscar said, you're on. Wow. And How it, old would he have been at that point? He would have been 1950. He is um, 24. Okay. Okay. So a young man. Twelve years later, when he meets the Beatles, there they are again. He is 36, and they think he's the oldest yeah. man in the world. But, of course, by then... <laughs> He is posh. Well, he is and posh by then. And by, by then, he's learnt so many of the skills. This is why I think the pairing of the Beatles with, with, with him was, was so fortuitous. That everything was aligning. Because when Lennon says, I want 10,000 chanting monks, George Martin had, had a decade of doing ridiculous, silly, <laughs> dumb comedy records. That's right. That were amazing. That weren't just, OK, well, we're going to record an orchestra or we're going to record a jazz group. It's like Peter Sellers creating, or Spike Milligan or, or, or Michael Bentig, creating these ridiculous worlds and kind of saying to him, right, well, well, can, you, can you put me in this betting shop? Can you put me in this, you know, <laughs> can you create 
these environments. And that was George's favorite thing to do. Really? He saw the studio as this kind of magic workshop. He was pushing for that almost from the beginning of Mm. his work there, uh, even before he was head of the label. He really wanted to create ambiance in the studio. Mm. And, of course, the Beatles have great ambiance, right? Rocky Raccoon, you feel like you're in a saloon, that you're going to get shot. Um, You know, it's it's all very, very real. And and George was fantastic at creating setting. And it it was, uh, in many ways, his superpower. How did he get paired up then with the comedians? making these comedy records. Purely out of necessity. Um, When George takes over in the mid-1950s and Preuss is retiring, in fact, Preuss dies within a year after retiring. Of course he does. It's often the way. It is. Never stop moving. It's a cliche, isn't it? So in any event, uh, but but they had become great friends, and Preuss was very instrumental uh, in making sure George was his successor at Labelhead. But when when he became Labelhead, uh, Preuss said, look, you know, they want to mothball this label. Mm. You better get it together. And George was looking for a way to save Parlophone. And it was comedy that did it. Mm. Who, was the first, who was the first one he would have worked with? Was it, was it, it wouldn't have been Sellers, would it? Pizza no, Sellers? no, no. Sellers came, came along pretty quickly, but he was doing a lot of live mobile work. Right, okay. And so he would, uh, you know, he'd go out and do Beyond the Fringe, oh, right, or, or things like that. And there were several different... Um, Several di- different uh, groups and teams he worked with, and he really brought that to life. And yeah. it was kind of a phenomenon, right? Here he is, the live hookup, the live recording, and now it's in your home. Parlophone yeah. presents. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, uh, you, nowadays, you can go and record a live concert with a tiny little box. I'm, I'm imagining then it was a big old rig that would take a team to assemble. Sure. They had a mobile unit. Now, by the time he starts to do that with, with Sekoman Wise and those guys... It's it's become a lot more professional. When he starts, true story, in 1950, one of his first assignments was to go up to Scotland and yeah. record these Dixieland jazz bands who would record in the back of a church or a school. Yeah. George would drive up in the EMI van, and yeah. they didn't have tape. So what they would do is they'd have a microphone, and you know it would be rigged out to the van, and George would cut straight to disc. No! Yes. Oh, man! And so here's how it would work. They'd have a stack of discs at the end of the day. It'd be like a Saturday or something. Yeah. All these bands would line up and record their best songs. George wouldn't even listen to them. He'd get in the van and he'd drive all the way back to London. They'd play the disc, see if any of them were any good, and that's what was released. No wonder they were in trouble. That is incredible. And again, I'm going to say the big word. Again, that if he's doing it like that, that explains... How, you know, the first Beatles album was recorded in like a day or something, 12 hours or That's something, right. wasn't it? The, 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 so many of those, the, the, sometimes in a three-hour session, they'd record two, you know, an A-side and a B-side. Because I guess if he's doing what you were saying he was doing, you've got to be quick. You can't, you can't mess around. It's like, we've got this time, we've got to do this now. Obviously, that changed towards the end of the 60s when maybe people started spending too much time on records. <laughs> you know, and, and now it takes like two years, three years to record an album. Come on, man, it's 12 songs. Just go in and do it. <laughs> but, but then it, it, that, that speed was a necessity. Oh, it absolutely was. And, of course, by the time Beatlemania sets and mm. uh, arises, rather, in yeah. both the U.K. and the U.S., he has so little time with them. When they get together, they yeah. got to do it. There's a session in uh, mid-1965. In the same day, they record I'm Down, I've Just Seen a Face, and Yesterday, <laughs> Save for the Strings, yeah. all in one day. Yeah, It's amazing what they'll churn through. Yeah. Fortunately, they were that good, yeah. so they were able to do it. 
Um, funny you mentioned yesterday. It's one of my least favourite Beatles songs, and I've just been I've just recorded a podcast um, which d- d- discusses Beatles albums and solo albums, and I picked "Give My Regards to Broad Street," <laughs> but kind of for a perverse reason. But also, I think the version of "Yesterday" on, on there is actually nicer. I prefer the brass. Huh. I, I know controversial. Wow! Um, but that was produced by. I that, wonder what the hard salivators are <laughs> <was> thinking now. <laughs> that, 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 that's going to kick off. But that whole album was produced by George Martin. And after it, what I find interesting about the Beatles is after when, when it's they split, they kind of turned their back on what they had done before. They turned their back for a bit on EMI and uh, on Abbey Road, certainly on George Martin. And John Lennon would later go on and slag him off <laughs> over and over. Oh, yeah. or, or, you know, and say that he ruined Strawberry Fields and that he wanted to re-record all of those songs because Martin ruined it. I suspect had John lived a few years more, he would have taken that back. He's a guy who never gets to be 41. He barely gets he, to be 40. Yeah. Um, but he did, you know, he made up with George in December 1979. Oh, they, did he? John, uh, George came over. He was in New York. John oh. said, come over. Yoko, as George later remembered, made herself scarce. Yeah. And uh, they had a great evening together. And that was the evening where he said he'd re-record everything. Oh. <laughs> and and George was offended but then he thought, you know what? That's just John. Yeah, yeah. The world can never be as great as it is in his mm. imagination. Mm. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. He would have come around on that. Of he also he apologized during that dinner. And he said, look, when I said all those things, I was whacked out of my <laughs> mind. Um, and, you know, George had kind of figured that. Yeah. And they had a great last evening together. But it's, I think, I think the, the McCartney's best solo so- stuff is with George Martin. It's tug of war. Tug of war. Pipes of peace. But tug of war die. is the you know is the the best record. Yeah, by a mile. Yeah, definitely with Lo- George Martin. What did was George was he reluctant to get back when Paul kind of clicked his fingers, or was he was he eager to dive in? No, and and you know I I do have a, a feeling, and I, I suggest this in in sound pictures. I do believe he had a lot to do with Wings breaking up. Right. Um, George thought Paul was better than that band. Yeah. Linda would have agreed. She thought he was always playing with musicians who weren't quite up to his caliber. Uh, he has a great road band now that that probably is far more in line. I think Linda would be happy with this mm. group. Uh, but he, you know, George felt like Paul was underplaying his hand and helped him along. Mm. The the reason why they worked well, at least initially, so well together, is George was probably the one guy who could say to Paul in the whole world, hey, that's a bad idea. This is the thing. This is the thing that is lacking in Paul McCartney's solo career, is someone saying, you can do better than that. Sure. And, uh, and, and Martin could do it. Sure. And, and Lennon and McCartney not working together, that works for a little bit. There are yeah. some great songs they come out of the gate with. But, of course, they're closer to the end of the Beatles. Yeah. Well, a lot of them were, were Beatles leftovers that sure. didn't get used. Right. Maybe I'm Amazed is essentially a Beatles yeah. song. Imagine. Yeah. You know, these songs, Instant Karma. Yeah. Um, and Ringo and the same thing with All, all Things Must Pass. But... You know, the longer they get away from each other, they needed that person who could edit them and mm. and tell them, you know, what's what in a brutal but still loving fashion. After the Beatles, <coughs> excuse me, Martin had... We e- all need that kind of person. We do. I've got, I've got Kath. She tells me when I'm doing badly. She tells, tells me quite often. There we go. Uh, look, she's, look. That was a thumbs down. She <laughs> gave a thumbs down. Uh, the hard salivators can't see this at home, but there was a thumbs down. Well, I've got to say, Ken, it's been nice meeting you, but the boss has spoken. Get out. Well, I thought that was for you. No, I, 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 I get know. to stay, right? You get to stay. I get to go. I got the thumbs up. But he did, and he did have, he did produce some great stuff. Well, we had Jimmy Webb on the show. He produced sure. um, uh, Mirage, I think, was the album. Can't quite remember. 
Um, which is a, which is a lush album. And I said to, we said to Jimmy Webb, how did you feel about working with George? He says, do you know what? I was so proud, but I feel guilty because I was taking a lot of cocaine. And I wasn't... <laughs> I didn't give George Martin the best that he deserved. And he felt that he'd let George... You know, 40 years later, he still felt he'd let George Martin down by not giving him what he deserved. Did... How did... He did do some great stuff after the Beatles, but nothing ever as big. There were hits and there were some great albums. How did he feel, do you think, about his career, sort of 1970 onwards, the musical career? Did he feel disappointed? Did he feel that the Beatles were kind of a weight around his neck that he couldn't shake off? None of those things. You know, Giles likes to, his son, likes to say that George never looked back and that's very true. Wow, okay. He just didn't do it. Yeah. He was so forward-thinking. Um, he had as we all do, a set of grievances that he would return to occasionally in his own psyche and, and get riled up about, but then he would push them back again. And, and many of them were with EMI, quite right. frankly. But he didn't look back. He was, like I think like all of us, he's looking for that next great experience. And did it happen? Probably not. He understood the weight of the Beatles and how important they were. Yeah. Um, and he spent much of the remainder of his life trying to you know, make sure that that legacy was protected and honored. And he did a damn good job of yeah. that. Uh, but having said that, you know, he was always looking for the next big thing. Did he find it? I don't know. I mean, he uh, he does some great work with America. Yeah, he helps yeah. them right their ship. As you said, he does some great work with, with Paul McCartney. I think he makes Jeff, uh, Jeff Beck's greatest album, yeah. Diamond Dust. Uh, but, you know, beyond that, um, he never returns to that lofty space, but neither do they. No. They truly were the sum of their parts, John, Paul, George, Ringo, and George. Yeah. And uh, I think they're all diminished without each other. Even in their finest moments, there's always <coughs> something sort of not there. I wonder what Pete Best would say about George Martin. I'm, I miss Pete Best. I, I do think that Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, and Pete Best should try and reform the Beatles in some... They're the three remaining Beatles. Let's get those guys back together and do a tour. I was I was talking to Ken Townsend recently. He gave uh, my wife and I a lovely tour of the studio. And, you know, he was the oh, manager wow, yeah. for many, many years and um, just a, a great person and, and, you know, a true pioneer in, in British, if not world, recording. Yeah. And uh, I was asking him about the first time he met them. And he starts to tell the story about, um, you know, fixing Paul's amp and all of this stuff in June 1962. But then he looked at us and he said, wow, you know, I'm one of the only people alive. <laughs> Let's see, Paul's still alive and Pete is still alive. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of it. Um, I, George Martin never had anything against Pete. No. You know, he just thought he wasn't up for recordings. He said, keep him as a live yeah. player. Who cares? Yeah. You know, he's good looking. Why yeah. not? Um, it's just... And Jimmy Nickel. Let's get Jimmy Nickel in, the the drummer that replaced B, uh, Ringo oh, for the poor Australian. poor Jimmy. I think Jimmy's in South America now. Jimmy's disappeared. There's a great book that came out about him. Yeah, my friend ago. Jim Berkenstadt wrote it. Oh, and, did he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and well, G tell, him, tell him I thoroughly enjoyed it. That was a great read. I'm sure he's listening now. Oh, well. He's a hard it. salivator. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> I loved it. I'll bring, I'll bring him back next oh, time I come. Oh, please do, because Jimmy's, because I'd love to get Jimmy Nickel on the show, but he's just disappeared, hasn't he? he doesn't he's want in South America. I think if this could be the show that brings him back oh man i want jimmy nickel on this show that's right um there's a quest worth striving for <laughs> ken it's so nice to talk to you how long did it, th th these are two very mighty tomes how long did it take you to to put these together about four years wow yeah but you know like like most of us uh beatles people i was thinking about it for most of my life who's um his name and i know that you know him 
His name's escaped me. We've had him on the show. The guy that... Um, oh... <sighs> Mark Lewison. Thank you very much. You're indeed. welcome. Thank you. I couldn't watch you strain no, anymore. It thank was... you. And I went to his house, and I mean, your book, your books are, are, are detailed, but Mark Lewison, <laughs> he, that guy takes the takes the piss is the phrase we have over here. He's the, that book, which is the, the, the it's a million words. That's <laughs> ridiculous. But it's wonderful. But I read a great tweet about it. For those who don't know, he's writing three volumes. He'll never finish them. Um, they're going about. He, he said to me himself, he doubts he'll finish them. He doesn't think he'll be around long. Well, I took enough. him to lunch last summer. Yeah. And Mark, if you're listening, you need to watch this. <laughs> he said to me, he had like a giant steak and a beer. Come on, he, he needs, needs to, he... to. He needs to be on a strict vegetarian diet. A lot of people are yeah. counting on that book. He... Oh, excuse me, those books. Those books. A friend of mine tweeted. Um, when that book came out, I'm on page 876, and I don't know much about the Beatles, but I know that Ringo's granddad stole a top hat once. And it's just, <laughs> that's the detail it goes into. Well, you know, Mark is, and you know this from knowing him, he's extraordinary. Oh, he's and incredible. And he is, yeah. uh, um, I think he's courageous. He, In yeah. fact, he invented, in many ways, the kind of analysis that we do with his great Beatles recording sessions yeah. book. Those uh, books are really common now, where it's a day-by-day, this-is-what-happened kind of thing. He was but the first his one to is do the it. master class yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah. And he did it very well. And frankly, without that, a lot of scholarship, the important kind of historical work that needed to be yeah. done would probably have been lost at a certain point. All it took was one fire. Uh, in fact, at a certain point, not long after that, EMI almost went under. Yeah. And uh, EMI Studios, Abbey Road, might have been a car park. Yeah, so, been. you know, what Mark did uh, is absolutely heroic. Uh, he's one, you know, we all have our heroes, mm-hmm. and he's one of mine. Oh, he's a, he's, he's a lovely man, but... He ain't going to finish those books. I don't oh. <laughs> well, he might if he goes vegan. This, this, this. I'm just saying this so it gives him a kick up the ass. So, so in other words, it. you're helping him. Yeah, yeah. This is this, this. is coaching. This is it. Um, Ken, it's so nice to meet you, Ken Womack. W O M A C K. Uh, loads of Beatles books, but the, the the new books are the George Martin biographies, uh, Maximum Volume, and Sound Pictures. Um, there are t- now you've got two versions. One kind of the more weightier kind of serious pictures, and one with the colours and the... Um... Would, you, would you like me to comment on that? Yeah, go on. George Martin wearing shorts. I'd like comments on that. Okay, yes. Now, uh, when I first debuted that photo on Facebook, yeah. uh, this, this one uh, Facebook friend of mine said, Wait, why are you putting George naked? Uh, she thought he was wearing underwear. <laughs> He's in the Caribbean. Yes. That's what you wear. That's He's, what you it's, it's volume two, sound pictures. Um, the American versions have these flashy photos of yeah. George sitting at mixing desks. Of course, the, the British, yeah. um, you, you can see there, look like records. And actually the sides, uh, the publisher designed them to look like those old Penguin books. Yeah, yeah. And they're quite lovely. Oh, because we can read. But, country. you know, I, I think the hard salivators should buy all four. <laughs> Two is not enough for them. You know there are completists that will actually do that. You know that there are people that will do that. And I exist to help them. on their I exist to help them do it. So nice to meet you. You're back back home tomorrow to um, suck up to Bruce Springsteen. Is that correct? That's right. Back to uh, the Jersey Shore. Well. uh, Where where actually we're planning a big White Album symposium. Hopefully the hard salivators will register and be there in November. Can't wait for that White Album to come out. You should do like a live hookup from from New Jersey. Dude, I'm I'm there. Do you think Kathy would? We're there. She's nodding. Uh, do you know what? We'll send her over there. Did, she can be. Can the, Ian go? No, oh, Ian can't go. But you can do the live. Hookup. When are they going to? I'll do the hookup. I'm the DJ. 
I'm so I'm sorry. out of a job. He's just taught me how to do this. No, no, you, you can engineer it. I'll go out for dinner with your missus. You can do this. When are they going to do the 10, hour, 10 disc version of Revolver? That's all I'm interested in. We all want that. 10 right? disc. I want, I want a whole disc of Yellow Submarine out And you know where Apple keeps going wrong? Go on. They misjudge us as the hard salivators. We yeah. would spend thousands of oh, pounds. Mate. I would probably pay a monthly fee to have access to everything. Oh, God. Not to download, but just to listen to. Totally. Are you listening, Jeff Jones, at Apple? It's... You would make money off of me. I would spend twice as much well, you see, as the, Netflix the for Dylan, access. The Dylan box sets, well, the, the last one was like six, seven hundred pounds. Yeah, they for... should, but they should quit making those available as box sets yep. and just have us lease them every month. We're so used to it. We do our Netflix payments. Come we on. do our Amazon Ken, Prime. You must have some tasty bootlegs floating around. Send, send them over. Send me over your, your dodgy discs and we'll never hear any more of it again, I promise. Okay, that's it. So nice to meet you, Ken. Have a safe journey back tomorrow. Lovely to meet your wife as well. Um, 0344-499-1000. The books... George Martin, Maximum Volume Sound Pictures. Twitter, where, where, where should people go on Twitter to find you and harass I'm, you? I'm at my name, Kenneth A. Womack. There you go, you see, and kennethwomack.com. Nice to meet you. This is The Late Night Alternative with me and Lee on Talk Radio. A star-crossed soapbox for Sailor Boys, oh. Stable Girls... Oh, I'm on the end. ...and Stripper Grands. It depends who you're with and it depends on the situation. Late Night Speech Radio with a difference. Thank you! The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. You're right, Lane. That was audio porn. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Janine. I enjoyed that. Here's the thing, guys. I know some of you are going, oh, man, shut up. Shut up. No, you shut up. I work bloody hard to get my own radio show and be able to invite guests like that. And the books are an absolute joy. Absolute joy. If you don't get it for yourself, Christmas is coming up. Get it for someone for Christmas. 0344. 499-1000 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. This is The Late Night Alternative, a show that celebrates life, music, love, friendship, art. Instead of separating and fighting and pointing the finger and creating fear and division, we're here to show you that life actually can be all right. That even if life is sucking... There can still be some amazing, amazing nuggets and bits of gold and joy and lavender floating around in there somewhere, whether it be a book or a movie or a thought or an idea or a song or a meal or anything like that. There's so much out there. You're welcome to give us a call about any of it. You don't have to give us a call about the Beatles. Of course you don't. Um, you can give us a call about absolutely anything. If you're waiting for the, the peg upon which to hang your coat, uh, there ain't one. There ain't one. I'm not going to sit here and ask you a question. I'll throw a few things out. But you can call in about absolutely anything you want. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Oh three. Four 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 nine nine, one thousand. I tell you now, there's no radio show. Can you hear my voice is going a bit? My um, uh, throat has. Um, it's not sore, but it's got the, the hole in my throat has got smaller over the last two weeks. This doesn't hurt. Of course, in my head, I've got esophageal cancer. That's what I'm thinking. The whole of the last week is. I think it might be cancer. I don't think it is cancer, but I think it might be cancer. It's probably tonsillitis or something like that. Anyway, making me <coughs> a bit croaky um, and a little bit. Uh, uh, you can give us a call about anything. Can I be honest with you for a moment, dear listener? I feel slightly, I feel slightly, I feel slightly 
the I, I, the show, I, the, the, the show is losing its way ever so slightly. I'm not saying this because I want you to phone up and go, no, we love you, we love you, Ian, you're brilliant. You're the best thing on the radio. I don't want any of that blowing smoke up my ass. I would like someone to literally one day blow smoke up my ass, literally to pull my cheeks apart uh, while I'm bent over and blow blow smoke up there. Because I bet that will feel all right. I've got a feeling that that would actually feel okay. But I don't want you to metaphorically do it. I want you to literally do it, but not metaphorically do it. Um, I, 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 you know I like to be honest with you and kind of share where my head is at, and maybe I overshare sometimes. I wonder, I worry that the show is, is this show is, is, I feel like I've run out of ideas and I don't know what's funny anymore. There's two quite big things to put on the table. I've run out of ideas and I don't know what's funny anymore. Here's something to bear in mind. I am coming off a very, very strong antidepressant. It's been a week day seven of coming off a very very strong antidepressant that i've been on for years right so i'm fully aware that my thinking is not as clear clear is not as clear as perhaps it has been i'm aware that emotionally i am all over the place i was walking i was out with my boys today i was geocaching with my boys we found six we found six and um, I was holding my youngest hand, and I won't be holding his hand for much longer because it was about this age that my eldest went, I don't want to hold hands anymore. And so I know it's coming. Right? I know it's coming. So I'm walking down the street holding my youngest hand, thinking, well, I, probably, I might not have much more of this hand holding. And holding a kid's hand is one of the nicest things in the world. When you're walking down the street and a kid says, Daddy, can I hold your hand? Oh, or when suddenly there's a hand in your hand. Oh, man. Or when you're walking and you know that your kids are behind you, but you don't know exactly where, and you put a hand out, and half a second later there's another hand in it. Oh, man. So I'm walking down the street, holding my youngest hand as we go off geocaching. And I started crying because I thought, was thinking I might not be holding hands for much longer. Geocaching is a beautiful, ridiculous way of bonding with my kids. <coughs> um, I was partly crying because the film we'd seen, Smallfoot, I thought was a lot of rubbish. Corden was in it. It's a Corden movie. Disappointing. The first half is great. The second half is a mess. I don't want to deconstruct Smallfoot too much, right? But it was it a musical? They have four songs in it. You don't put four songs in a movie. That's just weird. You either put eight songs in it or you don't put any songs in it. It was a mess. First half was great. Second half was, oh, what are you doing? Could do so much more with this movie. Come on. Come on. Come on, Chiquitita. Um, Kath will tell me off now for um, exposing myself on air. What are you exposing yourself on? My penis. No, um, I was saying that um, uh, Smallfoot frustrated me. The first oh, half was great, shame. second half was, was a mess. I had it's... four songs in it. Why would you put four songs in a movie? You either put eight in it or you don't put any in. Right. It's not, is it a musical? Well, you can't call four songs. Anyway, what I'm saying is I was holding my youngest hand as we were geocaching and I started crying because my youngest is now at the age where my eldest went, I don't want to hold hands no more. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't want to hold hands no more. 
So th- th- we're going off on many, many tangents, but don't worry, I remember what the original point was and I can tie it all up nicely just as we hit the news at 58 minutes uh, past 11, 10, 9, etc. The thing is, I am feeling very emotional sometimes and I'm, then like a second later I'm feeling like nothing, just feeling like, so what? What's your problem? What are, you lo- what are you looking at? Feel like that. And it can be like that. It can be like that 20 times in the space of two minutes. Wow. Or 10 times a minute, I could say, if, if you wanted to break it down. That must be very confusing. It is confusing. It's tiring. Um, I very, very nearly. I didn't nearly. But today I was thinking, I really hope my contract doesn't get picked up in March. Wow. Yeah, isn't that nuts? Because mm-hmm. I love this job and I need the money. I can't afford, can't afford not to do it. I need the money. <coughs> but I was thinking... Really hope my contract doesn't get picked up in in, in March because I want to I want to take six months out. What? But now as this is all relates back to the fact that I'm coming off a very very powerful narcotic day seven, I think day seven of um, having my venlafaxine from a hundred. Just as I'm coming off it, I learned that there's not a second L in it. Venlafaxine from 150 to 75, mm-hmm. and the electric shocks gone. Got a bit of a headache behind my eyes. Tracing. Tracing is gone. The, the the headache behind the eyes is still there. Um, I'm feeling very tired, but I think that might be the um, tonsillitis, which I think I might have. I've got something. I've got some little bug that's going around. So what I am trying to say, and I am getting back to the original point, you see. I can do it. I can do it. What I'm trying to say is uh, that for the next three weeks, I'm, in three weeks' time, I'm going to stop taking this drug altogether. Right? Wow. That's terrifying. Um, and so for the next three weeks and then three weeks after that as a little window to come down, because I'll have it all again. I'll have the electric shocks and all that again. So for the next six weeks, I don't, I don't trust myself emotionally or mentally or anything like that. No, no, I don't trust my thoughts or my feelings. So I'm kind of taking all this on board. So me saying, which I think you missed as you were seeing out, weren't they lovely? So nice. Weren't they, were they just so, such nice people? Man, I love the way America, he was very quiet out in the office. Americans know how to sell without any shame, and there shouldn't be any shame. He spent four years writing a book. You sell it, buddy. You sit there and sell it, and he did. And I was fascinated, and I thought she, Janine was de- delightful as well, and it was so nice that, to meet them. What lovely people. But I am worrying that... Um, there's a great book in that bit, a great line in that Robin Williams book when Mork and Mindy is failing, right? And he says to someone, I don't know what's funny anymore. Robin Williams, I don't know what's funny anymore. And I'm feeling a similar thing. I don't know what's funny anymore. I don't know what is a good show of mine or anyone's anymore. I've got no concept of what makes a good show. And I feel that this show has, is running out of steam now several things may be applicable here yeah it might be running out of steam might be that's a possibility or it could be the chemicals in my head the where they're trying to balance themselves out have uh made me actually not be funny for a bit and made me run out of steam or there's a third option everything's fine everything's all right and i'm imagining it all i don't know but even if I'm imagining it all, let's get heavy for the next 40 seconds. Even if I'm imagining it all, well, then it's still real. Because the mind, here's a quote for you, the mind cannot tell the difference between the real and the vividly imagined experience. And it can't. So if I'm thinking 
and feeling. I've run out of ideas and I don't know what's funny. Well, then I've run out of ideas and I don't know what's funny. That's, that, that then becomes fact. So what I'm saying is I quit. Tonight's the last show. No, I'm joking. But part of me really wants to say it and then just go home and cry and play PlayStation and masturbate. That's what oh, I want. Oh, God. That's well, it. at the same time? Yes, man. You can earn a lot of points. On webcam. Yeah. What a treat for everyone. Uh, wouldn't it? God. Um, anyway, so all of that is basically me saying we haven't got any phone calls. For the next two hours, the switchboard is yours. Oh three four four. Four nine nine one thousand is the telephone number. It will cost you nothing, probably pennies at the most. You'll speak to Sam. He will take your name and your number and will give you a call back immediately. Almost everybody is welcome. This is The Late Night Alternative with me, Ian Lee, and Catherine Boyle on Talk Radio. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. Crazy, your kisses just thrill me. I want you to love me. Be my girl. But with you, it's somebody new every day. And with me, I wanna be here to stay. Oh well, I love you so madly. I need you so badly. Martin. Ah, Jim Dale. Good evening, dear listener. The Late Night Alternative, Monday to Friday, with me, Ian Lee, her, Catherine Boyle. You can listen to us on DAB. You can download the Talk Radio app or any of the radio playing apps. Or you can go to www.talkradio.co.uk. We're up 100% online listeners on this show since last year. We've up to four now. Get stuffed! My new jam is um, putting something on Twitter and thinking about what how, what someone's response is going to be, writing it down, and then when they say it, taking a picture. Whenever I ask a question about, about my Mac, what should I do? I can't get my Mac to do this. What should I do? Buy a PC. Someone always said, buy a PC. Oh, by the way, you know we talked about the net nanny, right, which is just a porn blocker, basically. And I couldn't get it to work. Spent three and a half hours Saturday night, $60, three and a half hours trying to get it to work on my Mac. 
And um, Net Nanny got in, I got in touch with them. They said, "Oh, we're really sorry about that. Would you like us? We can either give you a refund, or we can get one of our technicians to talk you through it, and we'll give you three month subscription for free." And I went, "Well, listen, if you can get it to work for me, then that would be great." Okay, fine. Can I ask you a couple of questions? What computer are you using, and what operating system? Thank you, Catherine. I said, "Well, I'm using a Mac, and it's the new one, High Sierra." And they replied, it doesn't work on High Sierra. There's a workaround. And then they sent me the most complicated list of instructions that involve going into libraries, deleting some files, moving one file from from one folder to another. And I replied, this workaround is a little bit too complicated for me. I'll, I'll take the money back. Thank you. Could you possibly put on the website not compatible with High Sierra? Because I wasted three and a half flipping hours uh, sorting this out on Saturday. And if you'd have said it on the website, and I was looking for a, it works with these operating systems, it doesn't work with these. There was no, there was nothing. If you'd have just put that there, that would have saved me a whole lot of my life. I could have been knocking one out. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the phone number. Good evening, Drucy. Hello, Ian. Let's get this show on the road. Come on. Um, if a hot air balloon were an animal, what animal would it be? Um, it would be a koala bear, obvs. No, too cute. No, it's, well, but hot air balloons are cute. No, you didn't get that. Any points there? It's a cow, it's full of wind. If a fire engine were an animal, what animal would it be? Um, okay. Oh, You've got ten seconds, mate. Okay, fine. It would be a cow, because it's full of, uh, water. No, that's pretty close. It's a porpoise, because it needs lots of water. Well, no, hang on a minute. No, it will be a cow, because cow, cows are full of liquid. Thank you, Catherine. Yeah, great, great. Uh, great, great, so one nil, one nil to me. Yeah, well, that's all right. Uh, if a bus were an animal, what animal would it be? Um, it would be a shark, because it's full of people, like in Jaws. No, too sharp. Sorry? Well, smooth skin. Um, no, it's an elephant, um, because an elephant has got a good memory for bus fares, and if you misbehave on an elephant bus, it'll defecate you into the desert. Catherine is, uh, Catherine is fuming at this. Didn't get any points I've got a cob on, I'm uh, fuming everything. Get this one. Shut up! What is, who is this? This is Drusy. Um, camels don't, uh, hang on, horse, elephants don't, elephants don't live in deserts. What are you talking about? Yeah, not really the point, but never mind. If a motorbike were an animal, what animal would it be? A monkey! Ten points. Huh? Ten seconds. Come on, let's get this show moving. Move, move then. It's an elephant. Uh, it's got a large helmet. That's a bit naughty. Right. I'll leave that. Thanks very much for your call. I said monkey, and he gave me ten points. Let's try um, sexy Stephen. Good evening, Stephen. Hi, um, hi Ian. Hello, Catherine. Uh, well, Ian, I'm not a Beatles fan, but I did find <laughs> I love that. Hello, Ian. Hello, Catherine. Well, Ian. <laughs> He's talking to well, me about the Beatles. Talk to, don't talk to a woman about the Beatles, for heaven's sake. Well, name one Name one lady who's, who knows about the Beatles. Yoko Ono. Um, fair play, actually. Fair play. Touche. You've got, uh, you've got to respect that, Steve. I do. One, one thing I knew I probably about know George... more about the Beatles than Yoko Ono, though, if I'm, if I'm honest. So, one of the I didn't split actually... the Beatles up like she did with her Japanesey ways. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. <laughs> Did you know, uh, yes. you prob- prob- did, that uh, George lived on the island of Montserrat? Yep, I knew that, yep. That was half devastated. He lived on the island of Montserrat, Kabai, which is how she met Freddie Mercury. Well, yeah, and um, yes. there's a local connection with us here, because um, a lot of clergy exchanged 
places with the Montserrat clergyman who had had enough when the volcano erupted. You can imagine... What the hell what is... He had to is this, this is all on Sergeant Peppers, is it? <laughs> no, this is reality. <laughs> this, uh, this happened in the last few years. So uh, we're the early part of this century. Ah. But anyway... But, you know, you, you can imagine if there's a vicar of the island of Montserrat in the West, of West Indies... Yes. ...and the volcano goes off, uh, and all the people need help and everything, and the vicar's single-handedly trying to help everybody, he needs a break, so he came on a sabbatical, I think, I think you call yeah, it. Screw those guys. <laughs> he came over here, and the guy that was local to me went over there and ministered to those people, do you see what I mean? Yeah, so... That was that was just a, it's not particularly interesting, but minor connection. You're absolutely correct. That was not particularly interesting. Um, okay. Right. Okay. Someone's written f- um, fan fiction about you about us. Oh God! Is it you? Did you write this? Someone's just tweeted this to me. This is tweeted from Amy's erotic celeb stories. Oh dear. <clears throat> Favorite shows are I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Celebrity Big Brother. Towie. Love Island, The Circle, First Dates, MasterChef, Loves Fan Fiction, YouTube and Radio, Talk Radio, LBC and BBC Norfolk. Um, and there's a story. Let's read it. Chapter One, Missy. It's called Ian Lee, The Bush Tucker Man. <laughs> God, this is going to be awful. Chapter One, I miss you. Next, we've got Nigel. Hi, Nigel. Oh, yeah. hello, Ian. It's not bad. Hey, they'll be now, they're, now they'll be saying yeah. you make him up. What have you got for us tonight, Nigel? Hi, hi Kath. Right, come, over, come and sit on my lap. Young what? Lady, I'm not gonna, sitting on your right, lap. Right, come on, you're going to do this with me. We're going to read... Let's get some porno music. And we're oh, going to... We're going to... Uh, I'm just going to type in porno music. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. We're gonna do this, this, this is going to get a little bit horny for you guys. So, uh, where is it? Careful. Careful. Right. Next, we've got Nigel. Hi, Nigel. Oh, yeah, hello, Ian. What have you got for us tonight, Nigel? Hi, Kath. Hello. You're doing the microphone, Catherine. Well, share then. Go on, do a bit, yeah. Hello. Yeah, uh, hello. Is it okay? <laughs> Other ear, Nigel. Okay, hello. Is that better? Yep. Is it okay if I sing a song? Ian rolls his eyes. We'll let you do a song tonight, but that's the last time this week. Yeah, yeah, okay. Can you hold on a second? My, 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 car- <laughs> my karaoke machine's in the other room. Is Carrick Fergus okay? You do that one. You can do that. Oh, for F! No, I no, bloody don't be hate me. that song! Don't be me, be you. I don't, I wouldn't say this. Oh, for... F- no, I bloody hate that song. I, I can do I Miss You. You know, by Miley Cyrus, I sang it at Mum's funeral. Yeah, you haven't stopped singing it since. Oh, yeah, you haven't stopped singing it since. Ian mutters under his breath. What? Just do the song, Nigel. You used to call me your angel. Oh, God, Ian says as he leans away from his microphone. He turns his knob down. The knob that controls his microphone, that is. The audience can no longer hear him. As for the other knob, well, how many times is he going to sing this one, he says, shaking his head. This is proper shite. Kath says. But at least it's not that bleeding Carrick Fergus. First sensible thing you've said all day. Oh, you cheeky bugger. Oh, I think we're about to do it. Oh, we better Kath, not. Kath pokes Ian in the arm playfully. Ian rubs his arm and pretends to be hurt, then winks at Kath. <laughs> oh, no! No! It's the no! Fir- no! It's the first touch from... Either you do it or I get Sam to be you. Sam! 
No, yes, I can't. I can't sexually abuse him twice in one week because that is actually I will have to pay a fine. Well, I don't want to be. I Come don't on. want to be his sex double. We don't know if it's got to sex yet. Ian rubs his arm and pretends to be hurt, then winks at Kath. <laughs> it's the first touch. Something in your eye. It's the first touch from a woman he's felt in ages. It stirs something within him. She doesn't look half bad most nights. <laughs> most nights, but some nights she looks rough as arseholes. And to be honest. He's becoming increasingly less fussy anyway. Who wrote this? He clears his throat. <clears throat> hey, Sam. Sam's in it. <laughs> hey, Sam, he shouts, waving through the window. Can you go and make me a cup of tea? I'm parched. Milk, no sugar. And fetch me a double-decker while you're at it. Lazy sod. My stomach thinks oh. my throat's been cut. Kath shrieks. I never shriek. You're quite shrieky. I opine. Sam stands up in a huff and does as he's told. Well, that's just like him. He's a good lad sometimes, when he wants to be. I think Sam might get a spank bottom from me later on. Names begin to pop up on the screen while he's away, but nobody's there to answer. Angela, George, Sally, Mo! <laughs> he's forgotten to switch the answer phone on. Yeah. No he's doubt. Doing that. No doubt he'll have some explaining to do to the bosses tomorrow, but it wouldn't be the first time. He's been skating on thin ice. This is taking a turn. Ever since that time he came in hungover after singing, seeing Blink-182 at the Brixton Academy. God. I, I miss you, I miss your smell. I can't be bothered with this lot tonight, Ian says, nodding towards the screen. Oh, what's wrong? Kath says she shuts her laptop so she can pay attention for once. Just feeling so down lately. Very lonely living on my own in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Give over, your big lump. This is a bit stereotypical. No, it's, it's working. Kath oh. says, that's not, that was my foot, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> do, do your line again, because you, 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 you swallowed it a bit. <laughs> did you just let one go? Yes, I did. Bugger off, I'm not doing any more. Where are you going? No, I don't have to work in these conditions. Um... You read it. I'm not. I'm not paying. Come on, come and do your bit, no. please. We're not going to. We're not going to do it. 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 I promise you. You and I are not going to. I ha- promise you. We're not we gonna are not going to have sex. Come and do it. Come on. We're not going to do it. If it gets to that, then I don't I'm going to go down there because you're just farting. Right, it's gone now. It's gone. It's, I've wafted it away. Come on. Come on. Do, do it again. Oh, come on, our kid. Oh, I wouldn't call you our kid. It's, our kid's you, my sister. Come on, our kid. Say what you'd say. <sighs> Come on, our kid. She starts to rub his back. This feeling won't last forever. You'll meet a lovely lady soon enough, as if I'd say that. However, how, how about that Shappy? She was nice. She's a bit too serious for me. I could never keep up politically. You dig? I've seen those articles in The Independent. I do dig, yes. Apparently I speak like that. Kath racks her brain trying to think of anyone she knows who'd be a good match. But all Kath's friends are either happily married... Or not good enough for Ian. Then Too she, good for Ian. Then she feels something on her leg. <laughs> Through Ian's jeans, she... Oh, no! No, no, no. I'm not feeling any stiffening lumps. You can get, you can get lost. OK. Jesus... It, OK, I get... Um, OK. You, uh, you oh, be... Jesus! <laughs> you don't have to ask twice, Kath. Ian stands up and unbuckles his belt. No! Feast your eyes on this. <laughs> Feast your eyes. <laughs> right, here we go. Here we go. All right. Oh God. All right. Oh. Uh, right, Sam, you need to come in. Kath, come in. We, we, we're not having sex. I've just got a boner and I've got my dick out. But right, <laughs> but come, come round. Come on, because this is funny. <coughs> um, 
Kath's eyes widen as she takes in every inch of Ian's mighty manhood. Good God, it was impressive. His nuts must be bursting at the seams too. Who knows how long it had been since he cleaned his pipes out. Gets a bit rude there, we'll admit that. Then Sam enters the control room. As quick as a flash, Kath sits back down and Ian hides it under the desk. I miss you. Sam comes in with the tea and chocolate bar. That's your line. Hang on, Sam comes in with the tea and chocolate bar. Can't believe the old codger's still singing. He laughs. Have some bloody respect. Kath says. He's just lost his mum, because apparently I speak like that. Yeah, go in there and answer the phones. We're getting loads of calls for crying out loud, Ian adds. He tuts and shakes his head. Sam goes back into his room with his tail between his legs. He'll never learn. Go on, bugger off now. Yeah, go sing. Ian turns his microphone back on. Wow, Nigel, that was great. Did did, did you get all that, Ian? Hope I didn't wake the neighbours up. God. Yes, we did, pal. Have a good night. Ian, can I? Thanks, Nigel. Ian cuts him off. Time for some adverts. Sing it. Van Monster, Van Monster. <laughs> Kath opens up. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I don't go on Facebook, by the way, whoever wrote this. I'm not saying, I'm not calling your um, canal a ginnel. <laughs> That's not. Um... <laughs> Who's written this? This is the horniest thing I've ever read in my life, apart it? from you Who's being in it. it. It's a bit of a cow. What are you talking about? Yeah. If it means like bloody Les Dawson. Um. So look, they write them. Oh, mate, this is great. So they write. They've written one a chapter for Shappy. So they've written some for. Hang on, I'm in it. This is so written by a bloke. It's so written by a bloke pretending to be a woman. I think they're all about me having sex with. Uh... Yep, 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 yep. So the first Let me one... guess. Are they all you having sex with someone who's not that good enough for you? So there's talk radio section where it's just me, and then there's bloke. I'm a celebrity. I'm a celebrity. Chapter one, Chappy. You all look flipped, Ian shouts to the other contestants. So it's about me, um, I think, having sex with Shappy. Then chapter two. Next morning, Ian and Shappy wake up brightly, bright and early and act like nothing has happened. Um, so that's then I have sex with Kez. <laughs> then, then I have sex in chapter three with Becky. Gosh. Um, Don't which is most unlikely. Oh, sod Jamie, Becky says. He looks like a bloody rat. Not like you, Ian. You're all man. Ian grabs her chests. Chests? Wow, what a lovely handful, he thinks. And he goes to town on them like a Hasbro-hungry hippo. God, that's written by a bloke. They certainly beat rice and beans, that's for sure. If only Jamie, asterisk, Jamie from I'm a Celebrity, not Jamie Vardy, could see him now. Gosh, it's interesting, isn't it? Who's Vanessa? There's one about someone called oh, Vanessa. Oh, she was in the jungle with you, don't you, if you remember? She was also in no. the um, no, she wasn't. that group. I don't remember. Uh, the uh, S Club, not S Club. S Club Juniors. No, no, no. Uh, Saturdays. Do you remember? Well, I, have, I don't remember her being in the jungle. She must have left before I got out there. Anyway, I have sex with her as well in that. So um, that's everyone. That's everyone sorted. Okay, there we go. That's great news. Uh, thanks for that. Enjoyed that. Let's Grab, go to grabbed her by the chests. Let's go to one of. The... <laughs> let's go to one of the. Um, <laughs> Stars of that sexual fantasy. It's Mo. Good evening, Mo. Oh dear, man. Why do you say "oh dear," Catherine? As if I'm because I don't like you. <laughs> I'm in a right mood, so crack on before I cut you off. Well, that's serious. Um, Ian, I was wondering. Yeah, I have to work experience at college. Why don't you give me some of that work experience? 
because I don't like you, because you're rude to me. Here's the thing. If you hadn't have been rude to me, do you know what? I'd probably seriously consider it, but you've been nothing but unpleasant to me, so why the hell would I want to help you out? And it's as simple as that, man. It really is how as simple as that. that? No, how about, how about not? How about no? How about you learn from this mistake? Because I have had people phone me up or email me saying, could I come in and sit on the show one day because I want to work in the radio? And sometimes I say yes, if I feel like it, and sometimes I don't, but I, I reply to them saying, look, I don't, I'm not really up for it at the moment, but if you've got any questions, then maybe we can meet for a coffee or you can ask me anything or we can Skype. Wait, Ian, how about this yet? No, 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 Mo. How about you realise you've made a really big mistake and now you're asking me for something and because of your ill manners and your rudeness, you're not going to get it. How about that? Well, that's not... Let's go to Alistair. Good evening, Alistair. Evening, Ian. <laughs> Catherine, evening, Catherine. There we go. That's... Here's the, here's the anyway. thing, right? Don't be, don't be rude to people and then go, oh, actually, they might be able to help me out a little bit. Can I have something free from you? Like, I don't know, your time. No, you were rude to me. Of course not. Of course not. Right, go on. I've got, we're not in the mood tonight. Come on. Hi. Well, there was something funny that happened on the station yesterday, which I, you're asking what's funny now. And I thought, huh? when you went to get the keyboard yeah. and you left Kath in the, in the studio, mm. that particular section was so funny. Why don't you go and marry it? <laughs> don't be rude. He's being nice. He's not. He's talking out of his ass again. No, he's not. That, how could that have been funny? I wasn't here. You were in it a bit. I wasn't no, even you here. Were, you were on the radio You were on the phone. I wasn't here. You were there in spirit. <laughs> hey, now, Alistair, don't. Alistair, here's the thing. We're doing a piece. You're starting to get a little bit hessy in your voice. We're no, do, no, no. We're doing no. a piece. I really love you tonight. Are, are, you, are you pissed? No. You sound a little bit wobbly. No, I'm trying to be a bit more kind of oh. overjoyed. Oh, overjoyed. <laughs> I don't know if he's, he's, virgin, he's virgin unhappy. He's, dis- he's invited Jesus to live with him, isn't he? No, no, no I don't like Ken. <laughs> oh, man alive. But that, anyway, yes? I thought yesterday's show was really good. Anyway, I'll leave you there. That, you, you leave us there. Thank you. Yes, Louise? Hello? Yes, come on. Chop, chop. Chop, chop. Hello? Yeah, come on. Get to the Hello, point. Me? Yes, that's why we said your name. I didn't hear you say I don't care. Get to the point. Guys. Get to the point. Come on. <laughs> I know. I want to talk to you about the side effects. Don't tell us. Don't tell us what you want to talk about. Just talk about it. Uh, side effects of coming down off antidepressants. You're telling us what you're telling us what you want to talk about. Just talk about it. They're absolutely awful because I know. I'm living it. So am I. Tough. I'm living it more. I know you are. But I'm living it a little bit. And it is awful. <laughs> it's lousy, man. It sucks. It sucks a fat one. Oh, it sucks even bigger than a fat one. I want to smoke a cigar. I really want... I'm going to smoke a fat cigar. I'm going to do it. I've been thinking for ages. I really want to smoke a cigar. And then, um... Probably thinking, well, don't smoke a cigar because you might start smoking cigarettes and then you might smoke crack cocaine. You might smoke... Well, that's the transition, is Why it? Why do you yeah. want to smoke a cigar? What's I want a big brown thing in my mouth that I can suck on. Oh, um, get a bar of rock. Sausage. Um, I put no, my mouth on a I sausage like this morning, Lou, and it's still hurting quite a bit. So she calls it a sausage. <laughs> <laughs> Taken off, you come off. Uh, you, she, um, she, no. um, what it is, is she got a discount on uh, the Jessie doll from uh, oh, that lady it. yesterday. No, I wouldn't. And I she, um, here's the thing with the male sex dolls, you can um, put um, their genitals in the microwave <laughs> and they heat up. <laughs> 
And you're supposed to put it in for 30 seconds, like one of those lavender pillows. She put it in for you five minutes it. and then put it in her mouth. Oh, God, that's a vivid imagination. Why, Why five minutes? I didn't. It was, a, it was an actual sausage, but it, it obviously... <laughs> obviously it's this, is, this is the sound in Kat's kitchen this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll decide when I turn the music up or down. Thanks very much indeed. Oh, dear. I'll decide when I turn the music up or down. No one gives me stage directions except for the stage manager. And that's me. No, you're the producer. Oh. 0344 499 1000 is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, you'd be very, very welcome to. But you'll get short shrift. (laughs) I'm not in the mood. I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood. Yeah. I'm in the mood. I'm always... I'm always in the mood. Um, great headline in today's Sun. Great headline. Love the Sun. Got to. They pay our wages. Great headline. It's a story about um, um, uh, a, a sex orgy, a with, orgy. with women. <laughs> right. Guess what the headline is? In the year 2018, lesbo sex orgy. Wow, really? Lesbo sex orgy. Wow. Lesbo. Sex orgy. Lesbo sex orgy. Is there any other kind of orgy that's than a sex orgy? Um, your food orgy. No. Yeah, you get food orgies. You don't. What's that? What's that comprised? People eat lots of food. That's not an orgy. Don't take your women's cob out on me. (laughs) Don't you effing dare. Don't you. You effing swear at me. Don't you effing dare. Put your finger down before I bite it off. Lesbo sex orgy at Messi Hotel. Lionel Messi, Lionel Messi, the football man, not at a dirty hotel, not like a, a two-star, not like a, the, the losers, in third or fourth places in four in bed. Footballer Lionel Messi's hotel is hosting a four-day lesbian sex party this weekend, <laughs> or as I like to call it, a lesbo sex orgy. The Risque Skirt Club, Google the Skirt Club, let's see if we can get these, these guys on the show, gals on the show, which offers anything goes, women-only bashes... For guests to explore their sexuality. Yeah, as long as they're lesbos. Seems right. a little bit... You one... can't say lesbos. They shouldn't say it, really. Well, they're saying it, so I'm just quoting them. Ooh. Gosh. Hmm? Is staging an event at the £525 a hotel a night hotel... Hmm? Mim. Ooh, ladies in pants holding hands. This is not for you. The Sun attended a London gathering in March and told how revellers took off coats to reveal stockings and suspenders before licking drinks off their bodies. It's a bit of a waste of booze, that. Some played spin the bottle. It sounds like the crappiest orgy ever, right? An orgy is when you you get your kit off and you're at it. Over the back of the sofa, on the floor, in the kitchen. Listen to this. Some played spin the bottle and read erotic poetry before rubbing each other's breasts. <laughs> That's not a sex orgy. What, are they wish- they're trying to get three wishes? Here we go. Dozens later ditched their lingerie and enjoyed an orgy on beds dotted about the house. Hello? What's this? The test will be comprised of 20% written, 30% oral, and 50% Anal. Oh, what? <laughs> Professor. What? Yes, dear. Will there be any extra credit? I am so glad you asked. Bit sexy, that wasn't it? 
The event at M- M- Messi's 52-room venue with a luxury pool and rooftop bar starts on Thursday. The Skirt Club puts on parties around the globe and has a 10,000-strong membership of straight, bisexual, gay and bi-curious women aged from 18 to 49. I'm sorry, 50 and above, we're just not interested in your tired, old, drooping breasts. Mobile phones are banned from the parties, which usually cost up to £90 a licket. A ticket, sorry, excuse me, to apologise. The club said of their Ibiza bash, over 100 ladies will unite on this island paradise to celebrate love, lust and sexual independence before reading poetry and rubbing each other's breasts. <laughs> wow! That is hot! That is... T- what, you like poetry? That paper is smoking! Hot stuff! Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is the late night hotel in the morning. We're in here. I'm a mall. Closing time conversation for tax inspectors, taxi drivers, and taxidermists. Great big talk for the wee small hours. You've been trolling me big time, mate. The late night alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. Oh three four four five. You want to give us go? I found a story about the one person who's more miserable than us today. Oh, guarantee it. We're both a bit miserable today. The world's oldest woman. So it's one of those interviews where people say, and and what's the secret to good living for longevity? I would want to know where the world's second oldest woman is because (laughs) there's been a spate of the. the, Here's the thing: a, a lot of the world's oldest people have died. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Well, this one's 129. She reckons. There's oh, no that proof. is rubbish. Yeah, the ones where there's no proof. Was she India or China or something? No, she's not. She's from, uh, like, the Balkans. And uh, yeah, obviously, she's talking, Chechnya. She's talking Balkans. During the war, all her... Uh, rem- 129. If you're going to do, if you're going to lie, you might as well say you're 562. She's right, misery, though. A woman who claims to be the oldest person in the world has told Lying. of the one happy day in her life. Jeez. According to her Russian passport, Koku Istanbulova is 129 years old. Not Constantinople anymore. Her birthday is on the 1st of June, 1889, making her the oldest living person by more than six years. Except it's a lie. (laughs) Many official documents were destroyed in the wars that ravaged her native Chechnya, meaning that age is impossible to verify. If she's uh, truly 129, then Koku lived through the toppling of Tsar Nicholas II in 1918 and was 54 when her native Chechen people were deported en masse by Stalin to the steppes of Kazakhstan. Except it's a lie. <clears throat> uh, OK, well, she's going on about, you know, how bad it was then. But she says every single day of her life has been torment and hardship. Uh, she <laughs> reminisces... On our way to exile, dead bodies were just thrown out of the train. Nobody was allowed to bury the dead. Corpses were eaten by dogs. My father-in-law was thrown out of the train in this way. I mean, imagine the person that's gone to interview her. So, so, what do you put a long life down to? Earlier this year, Koku said she'd never lived a happy day in her life and was alive only through God's grace. But she's thought of one highlight. Without the help of her lazy husband... When she went to... um... A lesbian orgy uh, a football <laughs> player's place. hotel, yeah. Is that <laughs> no, she's a bit she's a bit over the age limit. Yeah, well she she's lying about being under twenty nine. She could lie and say she's forty nine. I don't know, you want to see her. Why, yes I do. She says her husband was Nilf. lazy, so she built her own place. Yes, I bet she did. She said, You're asking if I had a single happy day in my life, it was the day when I first entered my house. It was very small and I stoked the stove with wood, but it was my home. I built it myself, the best house in the world. I lived there for 60 years. The rest of it was crap. I know what she feels like. 
I've yet to have that good day of stoking a fire in my house. Um, yeah, sometimes you go. So, um, Harry and Meghan, they're they're having a baby. They but they only met two years ago. Yeah. So not going to last. So not going to last. I've said this before. Here are my predictions, right? Because there was a story about her dad the other day. I've tried cocaine. Yeah, so what? Me too, and I bet I've done more of it than you have. Um, he's going to die of a drugs overdose before this baby is born. Wow. Except who we want me? He'll be murdered by the royal family. <laughs> this is genuinely my prediction, right? And I'm surprised that more conspiracy theorists or truth, truth sayers, naysayers, no, uh, soothsayers, tr- truthists. I like to call them truthists. I just found a hole under my armpit. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Oh, steady. Um, I'm surprised more truthists haven't picked up on this. He will be dead before that baby is born um, of a drugs overdose. Of a drugs overdose. Well, you said that he was going to be meet his sad demise, untimely demise, no. like by now. No, I didn't. No, 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 I didn't. No, I didn't. And you know, I, now I've said that, you know I didn't. When did I say he was going to die by? Mm. Go on, you know when. When? The end of this year. The end of this year. So I might, so I've still got months to go. Incredible. Yeah, exa- I am. You, I mean, you've got to start watching those YouTube documentaries. Right. So he's going to die. No, right? he's not. He's going to die. He's now, not. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now we get into, now we get into tricky waters. Let's just, let's just play a little game of what if, right? They have their baby, mm-hmm. right? Makes it seventh in line for the front throne, okay? No. Yeah, it does, actually. It does. But please, you work it out and tell me I'm wrong. Go on. I'll wait. That baby, no. Go on, mate. You tell me why not. <clears throat> By the time that baby's no, 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 old no. enough. No, no, not old enough. When that baby is born, it will be seventh All in right. line for the yeah, front. Yeah, but it's never... Thank you. I accept your apology. I'm not sorry. Um, and... And what would it? What would supposing its name was Tony? What would it be? What was its full title be? King Tony. No, before it becomes a king, when it's born, um, it's going to be Lord Tony. Yeah, right. You, you, you don't want to say Prince Tony? No, he won't be a prince. Right. Well, you're in, you, okay. She's actually right on that one, so that's fine. So they have a baby Tony, <clears throat> seventh in line for the front. Just bear with me because we're going to play a little game and we're going to see how messed up this whole situation is, right? I think it's a really nice situation. They seem really happy. They've, they've, they've only known each other, each other for two years and having a baby. Suppose that was one of your girls. You would say, nah. Yeah, but she'd been married before. She knows what's the score Sorry? is. Sorry? She's what? You're joking. Megan's been married before. We're screwed. Here's why. So she can't keep a Isn't marriage. She? she can't. Don't look at Sam. He doesn't she know. Has, yeah. Sam doesn't know what day it is. Sam thinks <laughs> that Nickelback are a good band. All right. Well, no, that makes even that makes what I'm about to say even more horrific. Okay, oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Right, she's been married before, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, then we this is a great con. Okay, they have a baby. It's called, it's called um, Lord Tony. Right. Seventh in line for the. Throne. It's a girl. What they're going to call it? Antonia. Posh. And they call it Tony for short, like Tony Braxton. So seventh in line for the throne. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it can be a man or woman now because we've done that stupid thing where women are in line for the throne, which is ridiculous. Yeah, called growing up. So, so, we, so seventh in line for the throne. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now we know she is she 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 walks out of marriages very very easily, very easily. Well, we don't know that. We we, we know that she's got a failed marriage. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. I don't know why you keep looking at me and kind of pointing at me. <laughs> Well, now, you, now you're turning to one side, so you're not facing me. Bit but awkward, then your mate. eyes, Bit awkward. and your eyes are kind of pointing to me, and your head's kind of nodding. Me. I don't know what that is about. Maybe you've got a, a trapped nerve. Maybe I could karate chop you. 
So she can't sustain a marriage. You're doing it again. I don't <laughs> understand it. She can't sustain a marriage. Okay, uh-huh. right. So, so her, so she walks out on Prince Harry, right, and divorces him. Well, or she's finally found the one she should have been married to. Divorces it's all him. Love, love, love. Divorces him forever. Divorces and him. Ever. So her her son is now seventh in line for the throne. Okay, right. Now this gets us into a very very confusing position. She still good friends with William and his bit. His what? His his bit. The lady. I don't know what her name is. She is still good friends Same with. Same as my name. She is still good friends with them. His bit. And they've got to stop reading the song. And they're kids. Right. Right. So there's like five of them guys now. Three, including the mum and dad. All right. And so Megan says to them. Can I take you out as a family? Because I, I really need to talk. Right? I'll pick you up in the car. She picks them up in the car, right? But here's the thing. Here's here's the thing. She has cut all of their seatbelts, right? And she's driving around the highlands and the lowlands of Scotland. She's driving around Ben Nevis, all the mountains. Because they've got royal connections up there. Or driving around the mountain roads, okay? And then she forces the car into a crash. I've seen it done on soap operas. She forces the car into a crash. Her seatbelt locks. She's safe. She knows to relax her body. Got to relax your body. Everyone else tenses. Everyone else tenses. William. Oh, no, don't. This is too The awful. lady and the, the royal kids. No, don't. Tenses. Don't they're all wiped out. No, don't. They're killed. No. So hang on a second. Sorry, that... So they're all... Sorry, so who's, who's in line for the throne? It's her... Harry. <clears throat> No, no, no. Yeah. Is it? Is it? Yeah. All right, well, she kills him. All oh, right, okay, yeah. All right. She's thorough. She kills him. Right. She'd forgotten about him, didn't she? Silly. She, she had forgotten. <laughs> you sounded like John Shuttleworth then. She'd forgotten about him, didn't she? Silly. Sounded just like John Shuttleworth. She kills him as well. So her... So so basically, then, the, the King of England is an American whose granddad was a junkie who was murdered by the Queen... Then England gets sold off to America. Oh, here we go. We become American. It's all part of the plan to sell us off to America. We become a theme park. We become ye olde medieval England. We're a theme park. Americans are all over the place. They are, they are ruining our lives, making our lives miserable. We've got to kneel in front of a, of a, soap, a soap actress. She's a soap actress. We get, it's like kneeling in front of flipping um, Sue Ellen or kneeling in front of the old lady from that Helen Daniels. No, she died in the Bunga Bunga. Exactly. This well, is bloody outrageous. So the sooner we get rid of her, whatever that no, means... No, don't say that. No, what I mean, is, what I mean is deport her. That's what I voted Brexit for, to keep people like her out. Foreigners who want to try and steal the British crown. Get her out. Brexit. I think she seems very nice. Well, you haven't got a clue what you're talking about, and I know the truth. The Late Night Alternative. With that man, Ian Lee. (laughs) There's no strangers here, just friends you haven't stalked on Facebook yet. Have never sent my picture to anyone who didn't request it. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. Yes, hmm... See that bit didn't that last ten minutes didn't feel funny to me. That felt forced. Didn't feel like a funny bit. It should have oh, been a blimey. funny bit. I just feel that I don't know what's funny anymore. 
I've lost direction. The show's lost direction. The show's not funny. And also, Net Nanny just sent me a thing saying, "Yeah, we're gonna um, we'll refund your money. You'll get it in five to seven days." And I've replied, "Yeah, okay, great, but you've not addressed the fact that I've wasted three and a half hours of my time with your thing, and you hadn't posted on your website anywhere that your porn blocker was all right. It's not your problem. I jerk off a lot, but your porn blocker." was if you'd have posted it, it doesn't work with this operating system, you'd have saved me three and a half hours. You've not apologised for that. So um, here's a picture of me jerking off. No, don't. That's what I've sent them. No. I've I've helped them. I put jerking off um, because they're Americans. They wouldn't understand what winking means. You know the guy, what was the name? I've told you this before. Um, Let me me see if I can find it. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Uh, mm, 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 mm. Mm, let me just see. Okay, let's just see if this works. Hang on a second. Uh, no, that's Mork dancing with Raquel Welsh. Um, um, uh, I'm trying to find. Okay, let's see if this works. Hang on. Let's see if this works. Just trying to find a scene from Morgan Mindy. Hi, Toots. Hi. Uh, what can I do for you? Caress me with your eyes. <laughs> say. No, that's not it. Hang on. Here today, gone tomorrow. Hang on. It just doesn't seem possible that emotions could so change a person. Well, it's all... Trying to find it. The, the, the name of the landlord in Morecambe, Mindy? Mr. Winker. Mr. Wanker. Mr. Winker. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? Isn't it funny, Dave? Yeah, yeah. I remember Mr. Winker from um, from Morecambe, Mindy. Yeah. Funny. yeah. <laughs> Hi, Tash. Hi. How are you, Ian? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm feeling like this show's a busted flush. Oh, stop it. No, but that's how oh, I feel. Well, I know. well stop but it. No, but I can't stop it. No, no, I can't. That's how I feel. Yeah, well, I'm sorry fine. if that's getting on your nerves, me being honest, but that's what the show is based on, is my honesty. If it's getting on your nerves, well, tough. You know, sorry. But, but what? But what does that mean? We can have a proper argument. No, it's fine. But, then, but, then, but then don't tell me just to stop it then. I mean, that's not helpful, is it? And me saying that the show is rubbish is not helpful, I know. But the whole show is based on me being completely honest. Mm-hmm. You want me to sit and fake it for the next hour and 12 minutes? Because I can't do it. No, but I, I just don't do think it. you help yourself. I think it's, you talk yourself into Okay, a well, what do you want me to do? Let's go through this list of crazy stories I've got no, from the I newspaper. But, what, but then what then? Nothing, just talk to Dave, it's fine. But, but, but I can't be honest with Dave. You can. No, you can be honest with me, go on. Jesus Christ, man. I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know what to do. Because I, I'm trying to do it. And then you're just going. Then you give, you're having a go at me. I'm not having a go. You did have a go at me. You know you did. You know you did. But you did. Well, but you did. No, I, I, I know you see it as me having a go at you, but I wasn't. Well, you were. No, you were. But here's the thing: because but we're you, both. But I, I, what I see is you beating yourself up. No, but we're, that's not... but we're both in a shitty mood, and and I'm acknowledging my shitty mood. But but you're seemingly. And I, you were unable to acknowledge it in that second oh, I was... when you were really dismissive of me. That's what I'm saying. OK, well, I'm sorry it came across like that. Well, no, but the, that's what that's how exactly how it came across, yeah. I'm sorry. It ca- well, I'm not doing it to have an argument with you, Kath. 
I'm not doing well, it to have I'm an, not argument. an argument. No, I know you're not, but you're also not acknowledging what just happened. I just did. Well, you didn't, though. You didn't, though. You know you didn't. I'll just, I'll do the rest of the show. I'll just, I'll do this shitty, unfunny car crash of a show oh, that is the complete waste of time. Well, I'll do it for the next hour and ten minutes on my own. This absolute, it's a piece of shit. The show is a piece of shit. Thanks so much for your support. It's appreciated. I'm trying to support you, but you're doing this. No, because you just did that. I'm not embarrassing you. Well, you embarrassed me when you did that. Hi, Dave. Welcome to the welcome to the giggle welcome factory. Welcome to the loving. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, this show is a crock of shit, man. Um, <laughs> well, I went. I went to see. Well, let's not talk about the show. I went to see the Frank Sidebottom film. At the oh weekend. yeah, what did you reckon? I thought it was really interesting. I didn't know much about him. Obviously, I hadn't met him like you had. Um, I saw him a couple of times, and I think probably the first time I saw him was on TV. Was the he was on remote control, wasn't he? The um, remote control. Yes, gosh, that was the, the, the seats that Tony tilted Wilson? backwards. Tony Wilson thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I would have seen him on that. So I didn't really know much about his life or even the freshies. I mean, I knew the the, the, the big non-hit they had, but I didn't really know much else. And, um, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I mean, there were some really poignant bits in it, and really, even though I didn't know him, it one, of the saddest, one of the saddest bits was um, when he talks about his kids growing up and then going to school, and he said to his wife that they weren't his anymore, because they were learning from other people. This is exactly the feeling that I had, though, with my kids. Yeah. Totally. Well, where he said, yeah, they're, they're not mine anymore, because mm. they're, you know, sort of... But um, it wasn't the mural that he painted in Harry's bedroom. Amazing. Yeah, the, the yellow submarine. Yeah, thing. man, it was and then stunning. And he painted over it, and it's just like even his wife says, "Why, why do we, why do we do that? That's utterly stupid." But, yeah. Um, but um, uh, what do you think of the whole five-year plan thing that he, he apparently had uh, towards the end of his life? That was his five-year plan where he was. Going <laughs> he mentioned it to me. Mm. I never saw it written down, but he mentioned that he, he did, and um, it it he was pretty much sticking to it. With the t- the TV show was part of it, wasn't it? If I remember correctly, yeah, it's, it's, it's a TV show. He's doing stuff for for Manchester Manchester TV channel, wasn't he? Yeah, um, he seemed to be um, he he seemed to to be sticking to it, and it seemed to work. And at the end, he was going to like reveal it was him and stuff, wasn't he? Yeah, and then then just completely sort of you know kill the character off and just be him and I know he said he's going to release some albums of his own during that time as well and sort of you know sort of introduce uh. himself. But I don't know. I mean, it was you know it was um, it was great to see all that and some of the some of the stuff was just um, astonishing. Some of the you know it's one of those people that I I'm not sure apart from Frank that he had much patience with anything. He sort of he. He did a bit, and then if he just if he just lost interest, and that, then it's fall by the wayside. But he was just doing so much stuff, um, and it was it was fascinating. It go from that to the Mr. Rogers film, which I ran down the street to see afterwards. Yeah, um, uh, uh, um, won't you be my neighbour? Um, that was that was equally as fascinating. That I'd never heard of Mr. Rogers at all, and if it wasn't for you mentioning it, I wouldn't have gone to see it. So, um, and it was just a fascinating. You know, sort of looking to someone I'd never heard of, and it sort of made me wonder where all the grown-ups have gone. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I um, interviewed the director of uh, Mr. Mm. Rogers yesterday, and we'll play it out um, 
we'll play it out at some point when I get back. Hmm. I, I don't know. I, um, but uh, it was uh, it, some movie. Both of those movies, I think, they, I think they're a great double bill because they hmm. show people on the fringes in yeah. terms... They show people who are unique and who have a very clear vision... Uh, Mr. Rogers, slightly clearer, very clear vision of where they want to go. Um, and they're kind of both swimming against the tide. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of the subjects he did during the television show, he talked about death, talked about... Oh, man. I know they didn't show... I mean, the director said afterwards, they did, they did, during the 80s, they did show about shows about AIDS and shows about, you know, uh, homosexuality and stuff like that. It, and it's really, you know, complete with forward thinking. And there's that great clip where he's talking to a senator when they're trying to um, uh, get rid of, basically, the, the funding for PBS television. And he completely connect. That's what was great about him. He completely connected with, if it was a five-year-old or it was a senator, he could completely connect with someone and just speak and just completely change their point of view. Um, he was, <laughs> he's an astonishing person. I, I literally... I sort of there's a couple of parodies maybe in The Simpsons and Family Guy, but apart from that, it was nothing else that I'd, um, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd heard. I heard the name, but that was about it. But it's just fascinating. I just, you know, if anybody, I think it's out next month, isn't it? I think. I think it, it comes it, out it, November yeah. the ninth. I think it gets released. Yeah, it's get, it's getting a tiny it, release, maybe about thirty cinemas. I think they said. But I really would seek it out because even if you don't know, have never heard of Mr. Rogers, it's yeah. just a fascinating, fascinating story. Um, anyway, it's just a you know a really good, really good piece of work. Yeah, no, it's um, it's great. Hey, I'm sorry you came in uh, in uh, in the middle of an argument, Dave. That nah, must have been uncomfortable nah. for you. No, yeah, that's all right. By the way, did you get my uh, did you get the they might be giants thing I sent you? I don't know if I did actually. All right, okay, I'll send it again. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say that you know. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I got. Bob well, Mills was at that they might be giants concert as well, apparently. Oh yeah, I heard him talking on his show about it, and um, that he'd, he'd been there. Oh right, yeah. Well, you know, you look like there was a mum from uh, the school that my kids go to was there. It was like I knew mm. everybody there. It was nuts. <laughs> yeah, I met a couple of people I hadn't seen for a while, and they were saying, "Oh yeah, you, I thought you'd be here." It's like, yeah, yeah, it's sort of a gathering of <laughs> gathering of like-minded people. Sort of turn up at their mobile giant gig. That's a funny. Uh, um, yeah. All right, I'll, I'll send you an email again, and uh, I'll. Thank you, you David. Uh, no problem. Cheers yeah. with this. Ta-ta. Bye bye. Um, there we go. Now what do we do? Now what do we do, Sam? I'm not putting the pressure on you. This is what these are the bits I get paid for. Um, it's just you know, it just it just feels like um, feels like a, a crummy show, man. It feels like a crummy show, and if it feels like a crummy show, I have to call it out as such. I can't sit here and pretend that we're firing on all cylinders and that it's going great guns. And this is uh, you know, this is fun. It's not fun doing this. When it's like this, you know, when literally I'm fully self-conscious and can feel every uh, hair on my body and I can feel, you know, aware of every word that I'm saying and uh, there is no spontaneity to it and there's no fun in it. Still another hour to go. Golly gosh. Well, what I will do is you guys can call in if you want, although I totally get why you wouldn't want to. And in the hour, I have got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I've got 12 stories in the newspaper 
to uh, to go through. And I will read those as slowly as I can, and I will repeat bits, and I will leave long old gaps. And I think that we'll be able to stretch those out for a whole hour. What do you think? How's that? How much fun does that sound? Huh? Does that sound like fun, guys? Does it sound like fun? Well, that's what we're going to get, unless you decide to call in. It's entirely up to you. I don't know. Um, it can't work every night. Otherwise, um, you know, you've got to have the rubbish ones. Otherwise, the good ones don't seem as good. If you want to give us a call, 0344 is the telephone number. Calls will cost you pennies. Probably free. You'll speak to Sam. He'll take your name and number and we'll give you a call straight back. This is Talk Radio. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We have ways of making you talk. One of the bad words in there. I knew it was coming. I forgot. And, uh, you know, these things happen. Good evening, dear listener. The late night alternative, weeknights from 10. 0344 499 1000. La 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 la. La 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 la. Etc. Etc. It's, what was that? Etc. Etc. It's the. Um, the uh not Kojak, the King and I, that's it. Uh let's go to Andy. Good evening, Andy. Hey fella. 
Hey, man, what you, you right got in? for us? No, lousy. What you got? Yeah, I mean, I, I would ask you, but I'm just going to send you and love, you and Kath loads of love instead. Anyway, listen, Peace and love, man. I'm Peace and love. Exactly. Peace exactly. and love. The reason I'm calling yep. is I'm doing a thing next Monday. Oh, a thing so next I'm Monday, you say? I'm busy then, yeah. so I'm, I can't come oh, and cheer yeah. you on. Oh, it's a shame. Um, but you and Kath would seem ideally suited to it. I'm going to a rage room for the first time. Oh, what? A rage room? Yeah, there's cool. a place in Birmingham yep. that I found out about yep. where you can go and just smash stuff up with baseball bats. Wowzers, really? <laughs> I know, I know. It's like five minutes from my hotel, and I thought, what the hell? Well, uh, uh, but what kind of stuff can you smash up? You can beer bottles, glasses. Beer bottles uh, and glasses, you say? You get, you get like ten small items, which is like computer mice and whatnot. Uh, then five large items, you know, keyboards, yeah. monitors, and so on. Yeah. And you get an extra large item, which apparently for stag dudes is like photocopiers and stuff. I want a telly. I yeah. want to smash a telly. I want, but I want to smash a real telly up that's plugged well, in. Well, LEDs apparently. LED TVs. Oh well, well, yeah, an LED TV. That that that's not a proper telly. I want a fat old telly from fifteen oh, years yeah. ago. With glass, with a glass, with a glass window at the front. I want it. I want to smash it. That'd be amazing. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Um, How much is that costing you, man? But it's costing me twenty-two quid. No wonder you're furious. So I've got it a bit cheaper than it should have been. Wow. But the reason yeah. I'm calling yeah. is you love your music, I love my music. Yes. I'm allowed to take a playlist for the like half an hour. Oh. That I'm in there for. You get half an hour? Wow, this is okay. Yeah. yeah. What music do I use, man? Um, that is a, that is a very, very good... Um, <laughs> well, I don't... In my, okay, this is, this is... In my head, this is... Um, it's, uh, this this uh, it feels like it feels like it's got to be something like this. Has it got to be something like this? It's got to be something like that, hasn't it? Oh, uh, I'm thinking so. I'm thinking so. Uh, I'm lining up "Hit to Be Square" by "She Will Lose" from the news already. Okay, um, just for American Psycho, the act scene. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. Uh, actually, no. I, this is what I, this this song would get me angry. This is what I'd play. Here we go. Well, can't you see that it's just raining? I, I play I play Jack Johnson because that would make me want to that would make me want to smash up oh, some people. I used to I used to like Jack Johnson as well, and that's what annoys me more than anything uh, about it. Jack Johnson. When I try to show you, song is meant to keep you. Imagine, um, I, I can't play the song because it makes me sad. It, but it, what is Jack Johnson doing right now? Where's Jack Johnson now? Is he having a little cheeky, little cheeky spliff by the beach before he goes surfing? Is he writing another hit? What's he doing? You ask that as if I didn't know exactly where he is uh, at all times. And you know exactly unfortunately, where he is my Jack times. Johnson radar is broken at the moment. My James Blunt radar is working fine. He was at the royal wedding, I would guess. Yeah, that's where he was. That's where he hangs, <laughs> he hangs out with the royals. He's good, good for him. Hangs out with the uh, royals. But listen, man, if you get any more suggestions or anything, as okay. To well, it sounds what like songs I can it use. sounds like a phone in oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. So, and do Google Rage Room Birmingham. Why are you uh, doing it? Are you angry? Oh, man, I just... Well, it's my birthday this weekend. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I, I kind of thought I want to do something special and different. 
So I mean, Manchester. Are you doing it on your own? Yeah. Okay. I love spending time by myself. I'm the best person I know. Yeah. Well, (laughs) that's not a bad. uh, That's not a bad position to be in. So, so I'm making quite a weekend of it. I'm going to Manchester and Nottingham Thursday, Friday, and then Birmingham on Sunday. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, getting out and about a bit. But, sounds, yeah, when, uh, I, when I heard that it was, like, just next to my hotel, I thought, oh, I've got to do that. Yeah. Oh, but right. I, need to, I need to know the music. I need to know the music to use. Um, so, okay. But is it going to be... Are they, like, proper real things in there? Or are they, like, f- fake, fake No, 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 to- totally real. Totally real. You get a boiler suit, helmet, glasses, you know, goggles, the whole lot. Um, so it's proper glass, proper electrical stuff, a proper baseball bats, uh, crowbars, the whole lot. Okay. Hey, what is this? What is? I've, now I've got a tweet from someone. I have no idea what this means. See if you can Go tell on. me what this means. Right. By the way, doesn't it feel like time has slowed down? This is from Lenny Nero. Oh, I thought maybe I'd blocked before. I don't know. Name Lenny Nimoy. Len, Lenny Nero. Lenny Nimoy is oh, okay. dead. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> so he's tweeted, me and Kath and Talk Radio, IMO, in my opinion, piece of SH1T is a bit strong. I bid you a mediocre, M-E-D-I-O-C-A, but okay. you've made me really lol, lie on lino twice so far. Not happy, me thinks of hospital beds with that. What does that even mean? What? LOL, lay on lino. What does that mean? People, what, uh, what, Lenny, uh, explain yourself, man, because I've got, it doesn't even follow me. When he says lay on lino, I think he's talking about the guy from Thundercats. Okay, that, that, lino, yeah, it could be, could be. Um, I've got no idea what that means, Lenny, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I can't be bothered with your oblique, um, oblique tweets, oblique tweets. All right, Andy. Nice one, man. Listen, you look after yourself, man. Get Speak stuff. Soon and get stuff. Much love to you and Kath, get, right? lo- get lost. <laughs> get lost, you <laughs> loser. Bye. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, you'd be very welcome to. That's the number that Ross dialed. That's what radio hosts say. Good evening, Ross. Hello, man. That was quick, wasn't it? Yeah, it was quick. I've got no other calls, mate. What are we going to do? <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, well, I'm just following on from the uh, from the last caller. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I was thinking, if I was in that that room where you just go and smash everything up, yes, man. Well, um, <coughs> yogurts are quite good at smash because you, you know you can get them massive pots of yogurts, like the massive huge bucket yogurts, yeah, like yeah, I love huge them. ones. I love them, yeah. That because they're quite the, the 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 plastic stuff on that is quite thin, so you could like get a baseball bat, you could really smash it, bang, 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 bang. You can get like yogurt everywhere. We, um, we, I went to a do once that was put on by the Beano, yeah. and I took my kids, right? Yeah. And one of the things they got to do, this was brilliant, was there was a really powerful catapult that was yeah. fi- stuck to the floor, right? And they had lo- a pile of food next to it. And you could get cakes, you could get yogurts, you could get uh, all kinds of stuff and load it into this catapult and fire it and then just watch them explode. It was brilliant. No, that's not good. Yeah. Um, my girls went to a disco once, and that, that was a disco, but then they had, you know, a pin, pin yata? Pin, pin the yata on the donkey. Pin the tail on the yata, yes. 
No, but these no, they didn't. They really do that. They just had this pinyard hanging down oh, yeah. from the ceiling. Yeah, and they, the the boys just smashed the hell of it out of this pinata. You're, you're meant to but smash the, the hell out of a pinata. Yeah, but no, but they, they have blindfolds on, and they end up you're smashing a to... little girl in the face. Oh well, okay, right. Well, you're meant to wear blindfolds, and you're meant to smash the pinata. But then you're also meant to have an adult standing there, um, and uh, guiding them to make sure they don't smash little girls in the face. Yeah, but we did, but we didn't notice at the time. And this baseball. Hang on, you were there. I was there. Well, it's your fault then, you muppet. You might as well have smacked her in the face yourself. You were there. You were the responsible adult. I know, it's ridiculous, isn't it? You are ridiculous. You are a ridiculous. I think I'm losing my voice. There we go. You are a ridiculous. You are losing your voice. You went a little bit high pitched. And also, um, one other thing that the. the, What was was the last call? I didn't catch his name. Um, Andy. You got his. Addy. Addy, um, Andy. If he's going to be smashing things up, there should be some um, some um, mini-discs of uh, Steve Allen's LBC shows that he should oh, smash up as well. Man, that guy, that guy. It's, just, it's such a shame that he passed away, isn't it? Yeah, he's an idiot, isn't he? Yeah, he's an he idiot. He really is. He is an idiot! Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the telephone number if you want to get... Surely that was his... You don't... <laughs> <laughs> You don't let kids wave around a baseball bat while they're blindfolded. You don't. You, you've got to make sure that they're kind of pointed in the direction of the piñata. That's how it works, isn't it? I think that's. I think that's how it works. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is Talk Radio. Take a trip into the alternate reality of late night radio. I think I'm in something like the Matrix, and so are you. The late night alternative. Hello, hello. With Ian Lee. Is there anybody out there? On Talk Radio. Hello. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Here's a story. Travelling by air can be an enjoyable experience until it isn't. I hate travelling by air. My kids love it. They get a buzz out of it. I get nauseous. <coughs> there are so many things that can go wrong while you're sitting in an uncomfortable seat next to a stranger, trapped in an aircraft thousands of feet in the air. We're not talking about those times when all of the overhead cabin space has been taken or you can't get comfortable in your seat. We're talking about those nightmares that come to life and make you say, Stuff you, universe. Oh, stuff you, universe? Who says that? Rude hostesses, crying babies, and late meal services are just the tip of the iceberg for these passengers. Um, so here's one. Here's, this is an example from someone. This is written in their voice. We, this is from uh, someone called Colleen. We were travelling from Auckland to Rarotonga. And during the food service on our flight, we noticed one of the air hostesses didn't look very well. Three quarters of the way through our flight, my partner decided to use the bathroom. When he went down to the back of the plane, the bathroom was occupied, so he waited. The air hostess then emerged from the toilet, still looking unwell. My partner then went into the bathroom after her. There was vomit all over the toilet, the floor and up the walls. The smell was completely overpowering, but the toilet continued to be used for the remainder of the flight. Um... My wife and I were on a long-haul flight travelling from Bangkok to London with our two children under the age of seven. Next to me... 
What does this mean? Next to me, suspended over the seats, was a man aged in his 70s on a med transit of some sort. This man was only covered by a slim sheet and it kept moving to reveal his penis. Um, here's someone. This, who's this written by? I was seated next to someone who was very smelly. Going off the smell of his farts, I'm sure he was rotting from the inside. Come on, man. Um, come on, man. Come on, you can do better than that. Good evening, Simon. Oh, hi there. Yeah, um, it's Simon in the New Forest here. Yes, I know. I just heard the news about Steve Allen passing. Well, come on now, come on now, come on now, come on now. It's a throwaway comment. Let's not make a thing out of it. Come on, come oh, on. Oh, I thought it was real. No, 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 no. Steve, Steve is, a, is a glorious broadcaster who continues to entertain the nation. Really? You're reading that somewhere? Thank you very much for your call. Come on, man. Come on now. That's not um, um, drunk passengers. Uh, I don't, I don't know. That story not wasn't quite the story I was expecting it to be. I hate flying, man. It's the worst. It's the worst, isn't it? Why do my kids love it? I quite. Uh, uh, I can dig it if it's if it's kind of a long flight and they've got movies on there. And you watch the movies, but I can never sleep on there. If I'm travelling in economy. I can never, uh, I can never fit in the seats. Um, it's just a pain in the ass, isn't it? Um, and he's taking yogurts, and he's going to smash yogurts. How do they clean this um, rage room thing? Then, do, do, I mean, is it set up to look like an office or a bedroom? I'm slightly confused. And if twenty-two quid is the discount version. How much is it normally? It all sounds a little bit weird to me, if I'm completely honest. It sounds a little bit strange. 0344-499-1000 is the telephone number. Where are we going to go? Let's have a little look. Let's have a little... Here we go. Um, oh, no, there's a better version of this. Where's, where's that in the star? There's a better version. Listen to this. Listen to this. Pensioners. She looks like the woman in Mrs. Brown's boys. Pensioners were served some cheeky dinners by scantily clad beefcakes. A team of butlers in the buff. Oh, man. Visited their retirement home after flirty 89-year-old Joan Corp demanded a visit from some hunky lads. Claire Martin, activities coordinator at the care home, said, Whenever you ask Joan what she wants that day, she always says a man. We had a chat here and everyone was really keen to support it. We had a look online and found a company called Hunks in Trunks. Hunks in Trunks. That guy's not wearing trunks. That guy's naked. The daughters and granddaughters of the 11 lucky ladies at Milton Lodge in Colchester also got in on the action and were allowed to share the raunchy day with the OAPs. I don't think it was raunchy. Oh, hang on a second. I do apologise. Uh, 
The lads even treated the residents to complimentary massages as part of their sexy service. Doll Jenkins, doll. Doll Jenkins, 99! Was so impressed with the butlers, she's already put in a request for a repeat performance for her 100th birthday. Um, Gladys Smith, aged 82, said, I had the front seat. It made quite a change, and the boys done well. But they're naked, apart from like a little apron around the uh, genitalia. Um, it was a good evening. The residents were so excited at the prospect of the visit, they put their glad rags on and got dressed up for the extra special occasion. Claire added, they didn't stop laughing the whole night. They absolutely loved it. Um... Milton Lodge put on the special event as part of their Sparkle Initiative, a charity drive to grant the wishes of residents. Feel free to make your own jokes about someone had a stroke and the other person couldn't reach, all of that. We know that gag. We know that. It's a solid joke. It's an offensive joke, but it's a solid gag. Um, And um, if that works for you, then good. That's a bit... uh, Well, fair play to these old ladies. Who cares? Who cares? Let Let them see... Um, some naked men. How much do you get paid for that? How much do you get paid for that gig? Because maybe, maybe that's the way to go. Here we go. Wales is the bisexual capital of Britain. Foie! Um, Wales is the bisexual capital of the UK, a sun survey reveals. 8% of people there admitted to being sexually attracted to men and women. 8%? That feels a little... uh, That feels a little bit low to me. Um, 8%? Other buzzing places buzzing, jeez, are London, East Anglia and the North West, where 49% have used a sex toy. Huh? They're, conf- they're mixing up a lot of the stats here into a big lump, big steaming lump of statness. Um, the southwest is home to the most love rats, with twenty-eight percent of residents admitting having affairs. Uh, the raunchy revelations came after the Sun polled two thousand adults on their sexual desires and lives in and out of the bedroom. Northern, didn't we do this yesterday? Wasn't this in the paper yesterday? I'm pretty sure it was. Mm. Um, Northern Ireland was crowned the randiest region as nearly 40% have indulged in a threesome and people typically have 21 notches on their bedpost. But more than a quarter of Scots revealed they are not getting any sex. 10% also confessed to never having an orgasm. And 6%... No, listen to this, man. 6% said they did not know if they had climaxed. Huh? Huh? Well, I'm guessing if you don't know if you've come or not, then you probably, probably haven't. Um, the East Midlands is the most love-filled area of the UK, while the North West has the most singletons. 
Sexpert Annabelle Knight said there could be something in the water or people could be exploring their sexual desires as they're no longer frowned upon. So, um, the Randy Regions. Here are the Randy Regions, according to the Sun, the Sun's uh, stats. Uh, and by that they mean number of sexual partners. Northern Ireland, 21. Wales, 15. London, 14. The Northwest, 13. And the East Midlands, 11. Um, and 53% of people in the northeast have used a sex toy. Wowzers. Those stats are making me feel fruity, guys. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is Talk Radio. The radio show where the owls are not what they seem. Do you or have you ever watched Twin Peaks? The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. We could be dreaming and meeting each other in our dreams. On Talk Radio. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the phone number. I think my voice is going, which is which is great news. Which is great news. That means I can... Um, what I like to do when my voice is going, and I need to find one near me, is um, go and have a steam. Go and sit in a steam room for as long as I can and steam the old vocal cords um, and see what I can do. And see if I can get my voice back. That's what I need. Um, oh dear. Oh dear. Just reading something online. Hang on. Bear, bear with me, guys. Bear with me. Um, okay. Let's take call straight to air for the last 30 minutes, shall we, guys? Let's do that. Let's just sit here. Because uh, I ain't got nothing for the next. I've got some crappy stories from the papers, which I will go through because I've got Phil before Paul Ross comes in at one o'clock and does a proper show. Um, but we'll take call. If you want to phone up and just make, you know, fart noise down the phone, we'll do that. It doesn't matter, does it? 0344 499 1000 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call and come straight to air. Um, oh, Jesus Christ, what are we going to do? Let's have a little look. Mm-hmm. Yes, line one, you're on the wireless. Um, uh, Ian, that's Ross again. Okay. Um, I don't know why I, I somehow rang another number mm. for the wireless radio group, which is your group, isn't it? Um... And I, and I got through to the grumpiest man ever. Now, I can't figure out if I rang up talk radio or the the, the talk sport thing. But oh. 020-7959-7080. I, I, I don't know. That number. must be... I don't know That's your is. number. There's a grumpy man rung up. Well, that might... Well, hang on a minute. It's not my number. Why, no, but why, I don't know how I rung it. Well, but why did you ring it? He said, he said the wireless group, and he was the grumpiest man in the world. And I said, can I speak to Ian Lee? And he said, well, well, why would, no, well, this is not it, the Ian Lee show. Yeah, well, then, you because you dialed the wrong number. No, that was the wireless. I googled that, and that was the wireless group. Yeah, but that's not... That's there not must the, be a telesales person. Shut up, shut up. What, uh, uh, when did you phone it? Just now. Well, you're an idiot. 
Well, yeah, I know that, but there's, right. there's obviously I, I googled that. Why is it? Why is a telesales? Shut up! Why is a telesales person going to be answering the phone at half past twelve at night? I don't know, but he worked for you, and he's so crazy. He doesn't work for me. Doesn't work for me. No one works for me. Not you, but you're the company you right. work for. You know, because well, he's, he, he's probably sick and tired of idiots phoning up asking to be connected to the radio show when the number you dialed is obviously not the phone-in number. No, no, I just I googled it. I I didn't. I stupidly didn't read well, my number. That's probably why he's I, annoyed. Probably, yeah, I yeah. just I just I don't know who he was. Well, he didn't know who you were. He didn't care who you anyway, were. I, I probably don't. You should phone him up. Do, you should phone him up and apologise. I will in a minute. All right. Um, but if your voice goes completely, what are you going to do for the rest of the week? Because Kafka do the show. Yeah. Is she? Well, y- how y- come you got a voice? Huh? How come you're losing your voice then? Well, what do you mean? Are you the you're the thickest person I've ever spoken to? No, I'm not. You are actually. Well, maybe. Thank but you. How come you lost your voice? Because you only speak at night time, didn't you? Night time, as we know, is the most dangerous time to be speaking because of the chemicals that are in the darkness. Idiot. That's <laughs> oh, obvious. Yeah, true, That's yeah. obvious, Ross. Daytime yeah. is fine because the, the sky is clear. That's why the sky is white. It's light because it's clear. Nighttime is when there's kind of chemicals and all kinds of residues in the atmosphere. I've always wondered, as a nighttime talk show host, because you technically work nights, don't you? You're not, you're a night worker. So what do you do when you get when you get home? I go to do bed. Do you don't stay awake all night, Co- or do you not. go straight to sleep? I go to bed because it's night time. Straight what do you think away. I do? I go home and I go to bed. It's night time. Yeah, but you're still buzzing from your show. You no, I'm not. Go straight to sleep. I don't buzz after this. Why would I be buzzing after this rubbish? <laughs> There's no buzzing. I just my days of buzzing are long gone. When I I did a, I did a few weeks of work and nights, and I I just couldn't go straight. But I'm not working nights. People who yeah. work nights start at nine at night and finish at eight in the morning. That's working nights. I work evenings. Yeah, but, yeah, but it's till two o'clock in the morning, isn't it? No, it's half past twelve. You muppet. No, but you finish at one. So the time you probably get home. I get home about half what, past two. Do you have a little bit of food? No. I go to bed. Straight away, you don't have nothing to eat. Well, if, here's the thing. This will blow your mind. If I'm hungry, yeah, I'll have a bite to eat. And if I'm not, I'll go to bed. What do you do? What do you have to eat, then? Bowl of muesli. Not, like, anything solid? Like yeah, no, I have even. a flipping roast dinner. You, of course not, you muppet. I'll have a little snack, and then I'll go to bed, because it's late, and I'm tired. Tired of talking to idiots like you. Maybe <laughs> you want to puke. I didn't... Like that air hostess. But I want to puke over you. <laughs> phone up the phone up Dan on reception and apologise to him. He's a good man. Oh, is that Dan? Is that? Oh, no, I know his name. It might be Dan. I don't know who's there on there tonight. I know his name. He's a grumpy. No, old he's not. If, he it, was. if it is Dan, he's one of the nicest people you could ever meet. I don't know if it is Dan. Oh, it's Brian. Brian is miserable. No, it's Cockney. It was. It was Brian. Yeah, it's Brian. He's miserable. Bring him. He's miserable. Well, I'll he's, give he's... The number. Ring him up. No, I don't want to ring, ring him, him up. up. I, don't want, I, was, him to... I don't want to talk to him. I try, and avo- I try and avoid him. He scares me. It's creepy. Yes, I, I, can't, he can't walk I properly. Times by accident. He can't walk properly and he's got a massive motorbike. What the hell is that about? <laughs> that shouldn't be allowed. If you can't walk, no, you shouldn't be able to drive. No, hang on, that's not right. 
What are you doing? Hello? Hello? Oh. Hello? Yeah, you're still on the phone. What is this? I just ringing my... I got a bell. Okay. There. You, you're a bell. <laughs> Idiot. St John's Ambulance volunteers can wear the pacifist white poppy for the first time. I was listening to another radio show um, very uh, much earlier today talking about the white poppy. The flipping self-entitled right-wing idiots um, that called up, oh, people died so that they could wear the red poppy. No, they didn't. They died. They died. In a lot of the war, most of the wars, they died meaninglessly. The First World War certainly died meaninglessly. And the poppy came out in... 1921, I'm going to say. And I think I'm right, actually. I think you can Google that. And I think you'll find the red poppy came out in 1921. The, red, the white one came out in 1932. So the, the, the red one came out to um, uh, commemorate those who died in World War One, which was a pointless, futile war. And also, it wasn't just for the dead people. It was to raise money for the people that were alive and injured. Idiots. All these idiots arguing about the red poppy and they don't even know what it's for. And um, they died so that we didn't get ruled by fascists and that we can make decisions as to what colour poppy we wear and whether we wear a poppy or not. Um, and, um, yeah, man, the poppy, the poppy fascists is a weird... They're a weird one. I remember I had a great argument with some old boy once because uh, he, he was just miserable and he was arguing that everyone should wear a poppy and he bullied one of my colleagues into buying a poppy and she put, she only put a pound in and he said, was that all you're going to put in? And he wanted a fiver and he was unpleasant, man. You, you know, okay, I've got respect. I have more respect now I'm older than I did when I was in my 20s and 30s when I was for people that have served. A lot of respect for people that have served, even if I disagree with the war. Um, the only this is what we should have started the show with. The only just war was uh, World War Two. Discuss all the others uh, was to do with money and to do with oil and to do with ego and to do with um, nonsense and all, all were avoidable apart from World War Two. Discuss as your at your A level history exam. Discuss. Um, but anyone that decides to serve their country, I, you know what? I got respect for you guys. It's not your fault you get led into uh, stupid wars. Um, but here's the thing: uh, I would never have the guts to uh, wear a white poppy. I wouldn't have the guts to do it. I'm a pacifist. Uh, I, I'm kind of anti-violence, except in karate films, and even then, it turns out it's not real violence. Um, but I wouldn't have the guts to wear a white poppy because. I'm a pacifist. A lot of the people that wear the red poppy are warmongers, and they would beat the crap out of me. How is that fair? Yes, Lime One, you're on the wireless. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, hey, you know, I just want to stop by apologising to you, to be honest, and apologising to Catherine. Okay. <laughs> so, Ian, like, I have a work... I need some work experience. Can I please do it with you? Not in the slightest, mate, no. Why? Because you've been rude to me, and you've been horrible to Catherine, that's why. And there are people, there are loads of people that have been really nice to us, or have been indifferent to us, that um, if they were to ask, I would consider much more seriously than you. I think it would be offensive to those people that haven't been rude to us to invite you in for work experience. But it's a disagreement in opinion, really. No, 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 you've been been rude. No, 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 you've been rude. 
You've been rude and you've been you've mean. You've been rude to me Yeah, because well, you're a twat, right? that's why. Well, that's not very nice, but I'm not going to reply this time. But, like, Ian, like, please, I guess. No, I'm not going to, Mo. Here's the thing. Here's the <laughs> thing you're learning. This is... The, you're learning a really valuable lesson from me, right? More valuable than if you came in. Don't be rude to people that might be able to give you a helping hand at some point. But what if I was... What if I was nice to you... Would you even like consider me? No, no, not now. No, not no. you've been too mean for too long. So wh- why would I? What? So is there anything I can do? Um. Okay. Here's the thing. If you stop phoning me for five years, I will let you come and do work experience. Yeah, but then I won't need it then. <laughs> ah, well, it's life, isn't it? It's that, that that little riddle has summed up life perfectly. How about like me and you have a show? How about that? No, because you've got no personality, wit or humour or anything interesting that um, I would like to connect with. So, no. No, thanks, Mo. But thanks for, thanks, you, for, thanks, for, thanks for the offer. Thanks for the offer of, of you, who has nothing, doing a show with me, who has a successful broadcasting career. Thanks for the offer. I appreciate it. <laughs> successful broadcasting career? Are you serious? You have, like, all Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Come on, Mo. Yeah, I, Be- spit it, Mo. Mo. Mo, spit it out. And bear in mind, this is your last ever call to me. Go on. Really? Why? Because you're about to be mean. Because you're, you're a really nasty piece of work. And I've got... Kath has wanted you banned for a long time. And I keep going, he's a young lad. Uh, I suspect there's, there's, there's issues going on there. Let's let him come back on, because I, I don't want to ban anyone. But um, y- you're just about to be rude again. Uh, admittedly, I called you a twit. Um, but go on, you do it, and then that's your last call, mate. Go on. <laughs> OK. Um, Ian, to be honest, like, my frank opinion about you is you, you're going, like... Bye-bye. Oh three fourth, and that's that's Mo's life, and that's how that is how Mo's career uh, phoning me ended. And do you want to know something? Do you want to know something? If he'd have ended that call on a nice note, I was going to invite him in for a week's worth of work experience. Oh well. Neon lit night talk for torch singers, trolley dollies, and train wrecks like me. Mm. Never know just where the conversation will take you. What I'm going to say sounds ridiculous. The late night alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. Call straight to air until Paul Ross comes in at one o'clock. Let's go to line one. Good evening, line one. Oh, um, is that Ian? Yes. Oh, hi there. It's uh, Simon in the New Forest here again. Um, I just wonder, I'm doing a work experience project on uh, radio at the moment, and I was wondering if I could possibly come in, in on a show one day. Uh, absolutely. Um, you send me an email, and we will sort it out. It'll be nice to have you in. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you, buddy. I'll send the email Absolute later. pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for asking. Line two, you're on the wireless. Hey, man. Uh, I was wondering, could I have some work experience, please? Uh, yeah, sure. What's your name? Uh, it's George in the Willsden. Yeah, George, of course you can, man. What, what, how long do you want? Do you want a, do you want a night or do you want a week? A couple of months would be ideal. Um, we could probably do six weeks. Is that all right? Perfect. Thanks, uh, man. Nice one, man. I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Thank you. There we go. You see, we've got some great work experience people coming in. That's fun. That's nice. I look forward to meeting those guys. St John's Ambulance volunteers can wear the pacifist white poppy for the first time. After a change in the first aid charity's rules, it's. I isn't it? Um, because with charity, you're not supposed to brag about it, are you? You're supposed to follow the biblical um, rules of charity. You're supposed to just do it and give to charity, and that's it, and that's cool. You don't go, hey guys, guess guess I give to charity. So isn't wearing the poppy? I know it's showing support, 
visible support for um, the troops. But that's kind of a bragging, isn't it? That's saying, look at me. I've... By the way, if you see anybody on the BBC wearing a poppy, odds are they didn't pay for it. They have a little pot of them. You're not allowed to go on the BBC without a poppy. And they'll have a little pot of them before you go. Would you like to put a poppy on? It's a true story. And Sky, actually, were the same. Hello, line one. Bottled it. Line two. Hi, um, that's uh, Greg James here from Radio 1. I just wonder if I can do some work experience with you soon. Absolutely, Greg. When were you thinking? Uh, Tuesday. Oh, no, Fridays, because I don't do Fridays. I can do Friday mornings if I say I just need to just get a little bit of experience. I have desks work, you yep. know, make some tea, stuff like that. Perfect, Greg. I look forward to it. That'll be lovely. Hello, line three. You're on the wireless. Hiya, it's Damien. I'm a 42-year-old truck driver, and I need a change of career. Jack and I could come and do some work experience with you. Now, can I ask you a question? Have you been rude to me in the past? Never. Oh, in Why that case. Why would do that, you? In that case, you're in. Yeah, when do you want to do it? Whenever you suit. I'm just grateful for the opportunity. Whenever suits you, Ian. Drop me an email and we'll, we'll sort it out maybe in the next couple of weeks. Thank you very much. No, thank you, you actually. No, you're a kind man. Thank you for offering your services. Mo, all this could have been yours, buddy. All of this could have been yours. Line four, you're on the wireless. Hi, you're Ian. I said that you're looking for work experience people and that you give it to absolutely every, everybody. Yes. Apart if they feel the right criteria. Um, I think I do. Is there any chance? Um, yeah, sure. Um, how long are you looking for? Well, I don't know, about six, six or seven months. Uh, if you can make it eight months, then we can sort it out. Brilliant. Yeah, eight months is fantastic. And we'll cover your travel um, expenses and, and food as well. Oh, that's brilliant, Ian. Thanks for paying No, for thank you, thank you. The help is gratefully appreciated. Hello, Line 5, you're on the wireless. Hi, uh, Matthew Wright here. I used to be on the right stuff. Just wanted to find you some work experience, please. No, you can't, you absolute ass. Let's go to Line 6. 6, you're on the wireless. Ah, good day, good day. Um, got a question. This is oh, an old, you, this is an old uh, school uh, fan. This is a classic fan. This guy's been through the thick and he's been through the thin. He's been with me for um, probably at least 13 years. This guy is proper fan. Uh, everybody else that phones in is not proper fan. This guy is it. This guy This guy is my number one fan. Yes, go, continue. Thank you, Ian. That was very kind. I've got a question for you. Yep. Um, let me think. It must have been about two Mondays ago. You and Catherine had a conversation about the place of mental health on the show. Yeah. And... What was the upshot of that conversation? That um, we're only allowing uh, uh, mental people to come on to talk about physical health. Right, that's very specific. Exactly, that's the, that's the direction of the show, that's what we decided, and that's where we are going with it. I'm digging it, man, I'm digging it. Digging finally, it! Just hang in there. Yes, man, dig there. it, hang in there! What's the option? <clears throat> What's the option, man? What the hell is the other option? Um, oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the phone number. Mo, this could all have been yours, buddy. Line seven, you're on the wireless. Oh, bottle it. You get bottles from time to time. Um, it's dress code of the, the St John's ambulance. St John's ambulance. St John's ambulance. You always see them at fates, at dues, and uh they listen. They do a great job. They do a great job. I think they're amazing. But it was always like the weird spotty kids that, that went and volunteered for them. I'm sure that's not the case now. I don't want to do them a disservice. Particularly not if I find myself having a, a rustle at uh, fate. 
I told you once I had um, I had to go to I had to go to A and E for an injection in my in my ass. I had a terrible migraine. I thought I was dying. Absolutely awful. And um, the nurse gave me an injection. Said uh, you had a, you used a picture of me once on your eleven o'clock show and called me a lazy scrounger, and gave me the most painful injection I've ever had in my life. That was that was a dark moment. Hello, line nine. Hello, I'm a chronic masturbator. Can I have some work experience, please? Uh, will you be um, able to wash your hands? Yes, and I have some glazed donuts as well. Okay, fine. Well, let's let's have some glazed donuts then, masturbator. Thank you. Wicked. I'll come in tomorrow. Okay, nice one. Thank you. Um, yes, line nine. Uh, yeah, H- Howard Hughes here. Um, I just want to find you some work experience, please. Uh, yes, of course, that's the worst, that's the worst Howard Hughes I- impression I've ever heard. I'm Howard Hughes. <laughs> Come on, try it. They bottled it. Yes, line one. Yeah, it's Hannah. I'm looking for some work experience. Not a problem at all. We'll put you on the list. It's happening. The the lesson is, right, just if... I mean, what does, what does Mo want to do? Does he want to work in radio or something, or does he just want to have a DOS for a week? Here's the thing: if 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 you think someone might be able to help you, just don't be rude to them. Or or, or, or <laughs> let's take that a step further. Actually, just don't be rude to people. Don't be rude to people for no reason. You know, if they've wronged you, if they've wronged you, then um, yeah, fine, go for it. Tear them apart. But um, just don't be, don't be rude to people because you never know. Maybe one day um, they might be. You might have a Russell at a school fate, and St John's ambulance come and don't save your life. St John's ambulance kill actually let you die. They stand in a circle: the old man, the old woman, and the two young children. They stand in a circle in their St John's ambulance uniforms and laugh at you as you die. And one of the people is that guy that phoned up who's the chronic masturbator. It just could be hellish. Um, let's try line three. Hello, line three. Hello, I've got a question for um, uh, It's Wicked with Nikos. Is that... yeah, yeah, man, what do you want to know? Oh, hi. Um, well, I just wondered what you thought about there being, um, what's it called, um, breakdancing at the Youth Olympics. It's wicked! Oh, okay. Because, you know, some people think it's a bit like taking, like, counterculture stuff and putting it in, like, you know, international mainstream sports and all that. Nah, I think it's wicked! Oh, okay. Well, well, thanks. Thank you for that, Nikos. And thank you for your call, caller. Nikos. Line three, you're on the wireless. Oh, hi, Ian. I think you're an absolute prick. Any chance of some work experience? Um, hang on a minute. Were you just rude to me, then? Well, I think you're a prick, but I'll have some work experience, please. Um, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's a, there's a joke, and then there's, then, there's, then there's not being funny. Um, one day, when you get the balls to call in and don't do it from a withheld number, the, the whole withheld number thing's getting a bit tedious. I have work experience, please. No, no, you can't. The whole withheld number thing is getting a little bit tedious. So, okay, that's so, a shame. No, yeah, it, well, no, it, it is a shame. So, so when are you going to stop doing that? Because you, you're welcome to contribute, but first of all, you, you didn't get the joke then, and you took it too far, and that was that was that was just unpleasant, unpleasant listening for me, and unpleasant listening for the listener. Um, and 
um, you, you constantly hide behind this withheld number, and I don't I get don't it. I actually think you're a prick, Ian. No, I know, but you keep saying that word, and I'd rather you didn't say it. Um, it, it, it the joke wasn't funny. The joke went too far. OK, fair enough. OK, and just stop calling in from a withheld number. It's tedious and a little bit creepy. OK. Thanks very Bye. much for your call. Paul Ross, come in here, come in here, come in here. Let's just take a call. Oh, Jesus, that is terrifying. What, have you, what is that? Is that you? Is that you? Is that a cut-out of you? I got sent a mask of my own face about a year ago. I finally found it again. Put that on the... That's the, the most sexually arousing... <laughs> Paul Ross Thing you see in the last in. one minute. Paul Ross walking in with a, a, a significantly younger Paul Ross on with, his face at a slightly with a bit more hair. That is... That is weird, man. That is weird. That's freaky. My brain can't... Is it uh, two people kissing or is it a vase? I just don't know. Take it off now, please, because you're scaring me. Please take it off. <laughs> Line one, you're on the wireless. Hello, this is Paul Ross from 1978. Um, <laughs> I've got some work experience, please. Um, Paul Ross, shall I give Paul Ross some work experience? I wouldn't trust him. Avoid the stationary cupboard. It'll be empty by the time he leaves. He'll fill the expenses. He'll lie to secretaries. He's a terrible individual. He was even worse 40-odd years ago because um, he had his looks. I'm afraid, Paul Ross, that's going to be a no from me and Paul Ross. He's a psychopath. Oh, I'm gutted. Yeah, <laughs> what were you like in 1978? I Actually, was five. I was, I, that was you. I graduated. Really? Left uni. I went to a second university, did a year's postgrad. Uh, I was married in 1977. <laughs> I got married at the age of uh, 19. Wow. At uni. I was the last of my mates to get married. Isn't that funny? That we was all thought we were going to die young in those days. The three-day week and all yeah, that yeah, candles in the evening. Did. Yeah, and I then and I thought I was going to be a I thought I was going to be a poet and an English academic. Wow. <laughs> Okay, that works out for me. <laughs> well, if you're feeling up to it, I tell you what, I found in the move, I found a book that I think, I've not opened it yet, I think has some songs I wrote in as like a 16, 17, oh, 18 wow. year old. If you bring in some of your poetry, I'll bring in, I'll bring some of my songs. We can, we can trade lyrics. In my horrible way, I, I could bring in some very early poetry, but I gave up writing poetry when I was 18. Good. Because I thought, I'm going to go to university. Yeah. And I'll do all that and I'll get a PhD, which I never did, and I'll become a lecturer and I'll start writing poetry in my 30s. And I've not really, po- but I've, I remember one at the top of my head, which is so pretentious. Go on, goes, go on. A ragged flag is all I have, a lingering memento, a lingering memento of faith, sole vestige of the solemn wraith that ruined our days. <laughs> what does wraith mean? Like a ghost. W r w r a i t h. Do you know what? That, here's the thing. I don't know what's a good poem. What's that's a terrible. Bad poem. That's a terrible poem. Is that terrible? That's a stinker. That's a turkey with a lot of feathers. Because because sometimes you'll get like a classic poem and you go. That's, that's rubbish. Yeah. I don't know. I, I sometimes think that some poetry and some plays and some movies, they're only good because loads of people have. Please don't do that, for God's sake. <laughs> what is on your show tonight, you naughty on man? On the show tonight, yes. we are talking the fact that a leading British institution has had its first increase in membership for uh, 15 years. It's shot up. It's risen by 10% in the past year. It's Women's the, Institute. The British Naturist Society. Oh! Partly, they believe, because of some of their mass events, including Nude Stock and Nude Fest. So we're talking naturism on the show after ten past four with a leading British naturist. Wonderful he, woman. She joins us at ten past four. She's not from... Where is she from? Not Spielplatz. Place we went to. The, no, 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 no. She, it's the British Nature Society. Oh, it's really? And they're very kind of puckered. In fact, many years ago, yeah. I filmed, I did, I did a show in London called Big City, a kind of what's on and where to go show. And um, I spent a day in Dorking Leisure Centre. Of course you did. A Sunday. They boarded up the windows. Yeah. Me, the crew, and the director. In the nutty, it was a British naturist day. Did you do that? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I, we've all, we've all been to naturists and yeah. recorded stuff. I didn't. I wouldn't take my kit off. 
See, uh, the one I did, um, we did because we knew it was the kind of pucker one. Right. And it's quite interesting, although the, the disconcerting thing I'd was... I'd do it for a non-pucker one. I'm sure you would, but yeah. we, we were wandering around. We were the only ones without towels. We left our towels in the lockers. And I soon realised why they all had towels, because anywhere like a leisure centre, all the seats are vinyl. And when you sit down, it's like a round of applause. <laughs> and in the evening, no word of a lie, in the bar there was a meat bingo. You won joints of meat. Used to be a big thing in the 90s. I, I remember, I remember, yeah. And I but... played squash, naked, but for... Trainers and socks. You coward. Anything else on your show? You've got, you got 20 seconds. Uh, we're talking a brewery in America, which is specialising in beer for dogs. There we go. And we're crossing to Canada go. because, of course, they've uh, legalised uh, cannabis usage yes, for recreation. To a kind of cannabis head shop. OK. So right. naturism, cannabis and beer, a dog for beers. It's, beer it's, for dogs. I, I, I would start with the cannabis, please. That face is going <laughs> to give me horny nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Catherine. We will be back tonight at 10 o'clock in some combination or other, if my voice holds up. This is Talk Radio.